Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Hollywood! Hollywood swinging! Hey, how you guys doing out there? Hope you enjoyed that rendition of Cool in the Gang's Hollywood Swinging that I decided to do randomly on the spot, talking about that song right before we went on. But this is Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I am Dane Alves, and I am, of course, as always, escorted to the ring my wonderful good friend, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, sir. How are you doing? We were talking about, you know, forgetting exactly what to do, you know, how a singer can do that, both of us being musicians. And I feel like that just happened to me. Um, so this should be a good show, right? Because <laughs> I, I just improvise all that and I don't know what the fuck happened. So, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, at least people expect it from us <laughs> when it comes to this show. <laughs> uh, oh, no, they fuck up all the time. No big deal. <laughs> yeah pain is crazy it's par for the course uh nah man I, I, it's been a good week i went and saw counting crows last night at chastain amphitheater and uh first show i've been to see since covid and everything happened it was it was a really really good time i had kind of a nice easy week at work uh how, how's your how's your week been buddy well i i just want to say i'm super jelly uh for counting crows i have not seen them live and i'm a big fan that's definitely someone i gotta check out uh huge fan of theirs i've always wanted i know they sound uh, just completely different but the fact that i don't know how long until the black crows finally the brothers the robinson brothers decide to kill each other probably on stage we need a king of the crows tour where they just you know it's just the two of them and they trade off being the headliner per city I think that would be a lot of fun. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that'd be a great one-two punch combo, depending on like how how they want to do the show. Uh, I know Counting Crows. They were. I don't know if they're still doing it, but they were on tour just playing all of Shake Your Money, Maker, which is like just the full album all the way through. I've seen bands do that. Like uh, I saw Motley Crue. They did all of Doctor Feelgood through. And Oof. if you're a fan of a very particular album, that is kind of a cool thing that bands are starting to do now that I, I really enjoy. And obviously they'll play other stuff as like the encore or whatever, but um, yeah, I kind of wish I would have went to that black crows show. Maybe it hasn't happened yet, but I definitely saw that they were doing that tour. And that, that would also be a hell of a show. Absolutely. The only band I can think of that I've seen do that actually it's, it's more modern bands, but Thursday did full collapse from start to finish. I saw them fuck at least eight years ago. And then Coheed, I got to see their second and third album in full uh, live, but I'd love to see a, you know, one of my favorite classic albums done from stop to finish. That would be a lot of fun, especially like shake your money maker is a great album. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we already missed it. Unfortunately, it looks here that they're doing some places in New York, Las Vegas, one Florida show, a California show, and then they're going to the UK. So unfortunately unless you unless you want to go to uh zurich switzerland with me 
Samsung Hall to see it uh, <laughs> October 14th. Well, as as long as we stay away from like the wooded areas of Switzerland, I'm down. Oh, that's Sweden I'm thinking about. God, I'm an idiot. Because uh, of Midsummer. <laughs> that's that, This has been a week, man. I decided to start Halloween early and just start watching, if not every day, every other day, either a horror movie, a sci-fi movie, or just a weird movie. And I've been having the most bizarre dreams, Chris, because I decided, I don't know, I would try to throw in a five-day period, Midsommar, Hereditary, both by Ari Aster, huge fan of his. Uh, but not only that, The Exorcist, uh, The Lighthouse, which I don't know really is a horror movie, but fucking bizarre, uh, a Racer Head, and there's a couple other ones. And uh, I think, um, what was that Cronenberg movie where the, their heads explode? Anyways, I've been having <laughs> the most beautiful dreams uh, as of lately. Is yeah. that uh, Scanners? Yes, Scanners. That's the name of it. With um, uh, Michael, uh, I forgot the actor's name. He's a badass actor. He did the voice of Darkseid in the uh, Justice League cartoon series. <laughs> Michael Ironside. I, there you go. Every time I think of that, I just think of Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, I like scanners a lot. And also, you watched Eraserhead for the first time, which probably <laughs> I thought I thought David Lynch was weird from Mulholland Drive and fucking uh, Blue Velvet. My God, like yeah, yeah, David Lynch and Cronenberg, two very very artur directors. I watched The Fly recently too for the first time in a long time. Another Cronenberg movie. Oh, and uh, what the fuck was that terrible film from James Wan that was supposed to be schlocky, uh, malignant? I actually liked that one. That was that was stupid fun, but uh, just ridiculous at the end. Yeah, like John Wick meets a uh, basket case, if you will. <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity to watch that one yet, even though it keeps getting promoted to me every time I log on to Amazon Prime. They're like, "Hey, do you want to watch? You should watch this. You should probably check this out." Um, I watched. Uh, I've been. I, I caught up on all of the American Horror Story. Speaking of, uh, I guess horror-related things. That that's been a pretty good season so far. Macaulay Culkin is awesome in it. I will say that I've seen the I've seen the first two seasons, and I've just been mean to go back and try another one. But I love the first one so much, and the second one kind of let me down. So I was like, eh. But I definitely want to go back and and because they're all different every single season, right? Just with similar. Like Kathy Bates is usually in some of them, and Sarah's in some of them. Paulson, so it's a it's a very interesting show. I do like it. Yeah, this one is um, it's, it's kind of based around vampires, but basically there's this pill that you take, and if you're talented, you just become a normal vampire. But if you're untalented, you become like a Nosferatu looking motherfucker. <laughs> so either so, like sexy vampire or ugly vampire. Pretty much, and uh, okay. it, it's the the pill itself was spawned out of some kind of government program, and this this season's supposed to be split. So the first part is about like these vampires or whatever, and the next part is going to be about aliens. So like I'm caught up to the season finale, um, but yeah, it, it, it's that I've watched that. That's been really fun. And the only other horror movie I think I watched is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two was on. Uh, That's always <laughs> a fun one. Pluto How the TV. hell? <laughs> it, that's like Gremlins, man. Those are the two of the only franchises that if you look, I know Gremlins only had two movies, but where one movie is definitely a scary-ass horror movie, obviously Tex Chainsaw is one of the scariest, for me at least, 
of when I first saw it and just how fucked up it was. And then the sequels are these funny ass comedy movies. Uh, yeah, I think those are the only two that you can really say that about. And uh, I, I've been watching. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a good call. I've been watching Ghost Brothers, which is a Discovery Channel ghost investigation show about uh, these these four gentlemen here that own a barber shop from Atlanta. They go out and do ghost hauntings. But it's funny because like, you know, how most of the people, they're like, we'll call in someone to get rid of the ghost. There's an episode where they're just straight like, yeah, no, nah, you just need to like move. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like me if I was investigating one of these places. God. Best idea. Just move uh, that. And then obviously I've been keeping up with Hills, which is has great. Been really, really great. Awesome show. I love it. Uh, Stephen Amell still doing a great job acting in this. Um, I just love what the direction that it's going. And uh, yeah, great show. I've seen all. What is it? Are we on episode six now? Yeah, and that kind of makes me sad because it's a Showtime show, so they'll probably only do 12 episodes, and then I'll be depressed after. Might be like nine, man. Showtime likes to end it early, which sometimes is a good thing, honestly, because sometimes they just kind of like extend it to extend it. But actually, the last uh, show that uh, Mr. Amell was on, Arrow, a bunch of filler bullshit episodes in between awesome episodes, so same concept. Yeah, Walking Dead syndrome, as I like to call oh, it. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, I guess we're, we're here to talk about wrestling, I think. Are, are we? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys like to recap for everything, I'm going to throw one little cherry on top. If you haven't seen the horror movie, uh, and I, I've watched it many times. I usually watch it every year for at least the last three years. Trick or Treat. If you haven't checked out that amazing classic that was made in the 2000s, late 2000s, check that out. It's a it's a wonderful film. It kind of it can be what what uh, what um, Home Alone is to Christmas for you for Halloween, if you will. I gotta watch that, and I gotta watch Halloween now. And I, I watched the uh, the other remake, not remake, but sequel that was done recently to get ready for the Halloween Kills. I'm a huge not only John Carpenter fan, Chris, but a huge Halloween fan. Even though a good majority of the ones where Carpenter wasn't involved with sucked ass, but, you know. I always say that I'm a huge Halloween fan, but it's literally just Halloween 1 and 2 for me. <laughs> I mean, well, and, you know, I, the curse of Michael Myers with uh, Paul Rudd, who looks exactly the fucking same, like, around the time that he did Clueless, as he does now. Um <laughs> For some reason, it's got like a, a sweet spot in my heart because it was definitely more like they started making those movies try to be like Scream, like with H2O, but they were still just terrible. Resurrection was horrible. And all the ones with Danielle, uh, I forgot her name uh, when she was young, were not good. So that's like five through seven. And and then the Rob Zombie movies weren't even Halloween. They were just Jason with the Halloween uh, fucking coating on top. So I definitely liked saying, all right, the first first one exists. You can pretend the second one exists, but uh, we're just pretending everything else is gone with the new one. There's plenty of content from last Halloween where I yell about how those <laughs> Rob Zombie movies are terrible. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, if you guys didn't get us, we're, we're, we're both fans of Rob Zombie's work. Like, I love his first two films. I think they're great. But that was a travesty. It's like 
I think how some Star Wars fans feel about the prequels, and I'm probably, I probably said this the last time we talked about it, about you don't need backstories for certain like villains. It's okay for them just to be fucking evil and not have an explanation for it. Like, I'm from a bad home, so therefore I kill a dude in the woods, and uh, I'm Jason. Yeah, and, and to some extent, with the, at least with the Rob Zombie films, that's part of what kills the character of Michael Myers, because the, the entire idea throughout that series, regardless of some of those movies being bad, is that, is he a person or is he not a person? So immediately telling us that he's just like a kid with a fucked up childhood, um, it kind of takes away from the allure of him being... Uh, just pure other, evil. Pure evil or other word worldly kind of like taker or the shape related back um but yeah so i I, not only that uh, not only that though i want to say is that instead of him where she was known for being the shape and that's because you would see him in the background kind of like batman if you will you know just fitting in there and you would see him come forward let's just make him just not do any of those type of things uh no shocking like reveal of him coming out of nowhere. Let's just have him be this monster brute uh, that chases you down, kind of like Leatherface. And I, I just, I really despise those movies. I'm sorry. I bought the new Candyman. I haven't watched it yet, so that's on tap for this weekend. For me. Watch the first one. Rewatch the first one first. It's a direct sequel to it, and I think you'll appreciate it. I almost did that, but I didn't know it was a sequel to it, and a lot of stuff would have made more sense if I went back. So I don't know when's the last time you watched the first uh, one, but. Oh, it's, it's been a while. Pluto has that thing where they just show horror movies and I'm pretty sure I watched Candyman. And then right after that, they showed God, I think it was like Hellraiser. Is it Hellraiser Inferno, whichever one the detective one was, but I watched those back to back. Not that long ago. It was a weird combination of horror films. You had your little Clyde Barker night. Yeah. Two of his best franchises. Um, I guess me and you should do a horror podcast. Maybe we can actually do that in October. Um, I haven't done one of those since I did the episode with my brother and my good friend Alex about Ari Aster. But um, apparently we, we like to talk about horror movies. Um, do you know what's pretty horrific? Most what? of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, though, but the funny thing is, I don't think that coincides with this last week, but they kind of pulled out all the fucking big things because they had half their crew going to the UK, so we got a, we got a, we got a weird Monday Night Raw. Weird in the fact that it was decent. Or good. That's the weird thing. Isn't that weird to say about a, 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 a wrestling television show? Especially Monday Night Raw. Yeah, a three-hour production that happens every week, yeah. All right, well, we'll we'll get into the news, Um, and uh, we only have a couple items, Chris. Uh, Just, I wanted to talk about, well, unfortunately, and we, they they recorded uh, several episodes already, impacted, uh, so I don't know which episode this is coming on, but Sammy Callahan went to do a suicide dive to the outside and broke not only his ankle, but his tibia and his fibia on his left leg, I believe. And it's going to be out until probably like sometime next year. And I know that he was in a storyline backing up Eddie Edwards, you know, the enemies that have become friends. Um, 
and going against uh, Morrissey and Moose, who are like this now two guy heel, you know, powerhouse team. They put Alicia through a table, uh, which obviously Eddie wasn't happy about. And the person that came in and was like, snap out of it was Mr. Sammy Callahan. So I, I, I'm assuming they're not going to show it, but uh, it sucks for Sammy. Um, you know, he's kind of had some highlighted moments, including going against Kenny Omega for the Impact title this last year. And this is probably going to keep him out for a while. So uh, I don't know how the fuck you you mess up. And I have, I haven't seen the clip, obviously. I'm just wondering what could have happened where he messes up his leg that badly in a suicide dive attempt. Somebody wasn't there to catch him, obviously. <laughs> I, I've not seen the I've not seen the clip either, but that sucks for Sammy. I think he's been having a pretty good year so far as far as impact goes. I mean, that patch with Kenny was really good and he's been intertwined with most of their main storylines like you were alluding to. Um, that sucks. He's going to be out for a full year. Hopefully he's still there to do promos and stuff kind of similar to Britt Baker. Uh, so still utilize him to some capacity, but yeah, I, I don't know what you do with, uh, Eddie Edwards. Like who is the fill in tag partner for him? Maybe it's the real one. Go out and get Enzo. What's Zoe doing? I thought you were when, when, <laughs> when I thought you said the real one, I thought you were meaning Davy Richards because they were, in, um, you know, they were the wolves and shit, the American wolves, and they're coming together and doing some PWG dates, which I love that PWG is the wrestling creator wrestler video game of fucking promotions where somehow since they just do it live and they don't record all of their shows, you can have these ridiculous matches like Moxley and, and uh, Callahan had against the two of them as of recently. But um, yeah, I thought you were talking about uh, Richard's. And you were talking about Enzo, so that's funny. Because he is the real one. I forgot. He, he is the real one. I, I I mean, I think that would be funny if you want to do another feud with him and Morrissey. And, you know, Eddie Edwards. Enzo? Carry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, the, the tag match is, uh, like, they're building up as Moose and um, Big Cass, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I still like the idea. That's that's a, It makes sense. Yeah. It, that, that would be entertaining. That's something they could do. Uh, other than that, like... Uh, I don't know who who do you get to team with Eddie Edwards outside of the obvious, but I don't know that Davy Richards wants to do a uh, impact taping. Impact and he's, taping. He's a part of the Opera Cup right now, so I'm sure that they're doing that weekly. Um, they're about to start back up on Vice with that, which I'm very excited about the Opera Cup, man. I just have to mention Davy Richards, uh, Bobby Fish, uh, Filthy Tom, who won it, I believe, last year. I might be wrong about that. Uh, but pretty built card and MLW is building one hell of a roster right now. Yeah. It was filthy Tom that won it last year. We talked about that actually on the show. Um, Damn. Filthy, filthy Tom's out here living his best life right now. Maybe he'll win it again. <laughs> you got a bunch of great grapplers, man, which so far from what I remember, uh, while looking at the list being very professional, I should have it up in front of me, but either way, Sammy Callahan, hope he gets better. And that just sucks at, Something happened and uh, things went awry and whatever the fuck he hit really messed up his leg. Uh, so just hope that he gets better and uh, we can see him back in the ring soon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, breaking all of your shit like he did, I'm assuming that he's going to be out until 2022. That would be my best guess. Ugh. Let me see. Let me just look this up because now I feel bad for not having it in front of me. 
uh, MLW Opera Cup, first five cup participants announced. And Filthy Tom Lawler, Davey Richards, Matt Cross, TJP, and Calvin Tankman. Uh, so that's a pretty damn good list. Calvin Tankman's been big in MLW. He's a former um, football uh, defensive lineman, I believe. Um, just a big motherfucker. And then, of course, you have legend Matt Cross, who was in Lucha Underground, most notably as uh, Son of Havoc. TJP, who's a great defensive wrestler. Uh, Davey Richards, and then Filthy Tom Lawler. And I know that Bob Bobby Fish got added to this. So it looks like, besides Calvin Tateman, it's all very grappling-heavy wrestlers, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm excited for like that. Like submission guys. Matt Cross is interesting to throw into that mix because he is able, well, I, I haven't seen him in a while, but he's a pretty good high flyer when he wants to be, obviously mixes the style up a little bit, but wasn't he on tough enough? Yes. Yeah. He was like, on um, Austin season. Yeah. They put him there as a plant <laughs> pretty much. He was definitely the best guy on that season. And they were just like, aha, let's shit on the indie guy. That was a weird uh, season of tough enough. Yeah, that should be interesting, man. I'm 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 excited about it. MLW's got some cool things going forward. So uh, let's uh, let's let's get back to the next awesome news item. I'm just happy. This makes me all excited and giddy and and whatnot, and just feel great over in my tum tum, as Simon Miller will say on his show. Um, AEW announces an annual Owen Hart Cup tournament uh, with partnership with Owen Hart Foundation. Uh, basically, Tony Khan and Martha Hart worked out this concept in which she is going to make, you know, some percentage, but a majority of it will go towards the uh, the Owen Hart uh, Foundation, foundation in which they help out a lot of people and have for a long time that she came out with. Um, but now his likeness will be, you know, used for action figures, and we're going to see him as a part of the next video game that's coming out next year, which is awesome. I mean, if you think about all the legends that will probably it's it's so crazy. AEW is a brand new company, but since they have so many guys now that WWE doesn't have anymore, you know, we're going to see probably a young Arn Anderson. You have Sting, who could be the older version and the younger version. Uh, Owen Hart's going to now be included into it, among others, Jake the Snake Roberts. I mean, think about this. And then obviously all the newer wrestlers. It's going to be a hell of a video game whenever that comes out. And I'm also looking forward to the new 2K game, too, but I'm just saying. I would rather have two tremendous wrestling video games based off the original engine that I liked completely manipulated in a different way um, for both of them. So it just, uh, it's awesome with the whole Owen thing, you know, the merchandise, they'll probably have some t-shirts, but the fact that we're combining charity aspects and, you know, Matt Cardona will be happy that he'll probably be able to get, I'm assuming since they probably don't have the rights to a certain like heart foundation look, you know, we'll probably get the New Japan era Owen, you know, with the stars on it, the uh, singlet and the headband that he used to do back in the day. But either way, man, just awesome concept. And then the tournament itself next year, I'm assuming around the springtime, kind of in essence uh, to the memory of, of, of something that's kind of been associated with him and his brother and probably Austin, a few others with the King of the Ring tournament that usually was in the springtime, a tournament to declare the Owen, which is the actual 
uh, championship, which I'm assuming will either be presented by Martha or maybe if things, I don't know, cooler hair heads prevail, maybe Bret Hart will be uh, introducing that since he's the one who introduced the first AEW championship for AEW. But I'm not really worried about that. I just love the idea that they're giving back that this is more about the charity itself that Martha started for her husband. I've seen some idiot takes on the fucking internet, but either way, I think it's awesome. And before we talk about who could win the Owen cup, um, what do you think about this announcement, Chris? I, it, it almost made me tear up a little bit, just thinking about the way they're going about this. And the fact that Martha has distanced herself so much from WWE, which is, is the takes that you're talking about is people were like, Oh, but she wouldn't do the hall of fame. It was like, well, fuck no. Like she sued them and then they tried to sue her. It's a whole fucking weird thing. I just think it's great that like Owen's legacy is getting treated in the manner that it's getting treated with what they're doing with AEW, the fact it's going to charity, it kind of points to maybe you shouldn't try to villainize Owen's wife in the way that it has been done in the past and just realize that, you know, WWE is uh, not necessarily the best place of all time. And uh, I, I think it's great. And I think it maybe wouldn't have came about if you take away how well they treated Brody Lee in that situation. Because I think that speaks volumes on what that company wants to be and how they want to treat, you know, very sensitive things like this. So it's incredible. I'm I'm super hyped for it. And uh, getting to play as Owen in a video game uh, and, and thinking about what they're going to be able to do with that roster, because I'm sure they're going to go out and pull as much former New Japan and All Japan talent as they can for likeness and characters that's probably going to be my wrestling video game for sure. <laughs> Just based on uh, how things seem to be going. But I think it's absolutely incredible. Anyone that's, I don't know how you could be negative about this. I saw some of this online as well, but like, you know what? Fuck off. Really? <laughs> if you're, if, if you don't think that this is cool, I, I, I don't know that you should be listening to this show. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, just very stupid. But some people have to complain about stuff that there is no reason to complain about, essentially. And yeah, the roster of the video game is something to look into. It's just, I mean, you could definitely see different companies. And it seems like last night with Rampage, we might have the first person from another company coming over uh, from Ring of Honor. Unless Homicide didn't, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I guess. Homicide didn't sign a full contract, but he's in a... You know, a fucking faction with Chris Dickinson and a couple other people that Brody Lee's, you know, the the lead of. So I'm pretty sure he did. But regardless, you know, people that have been over here and have not, you know, just like we've talked about the revenge model uh, or NWO, uh, uh, WCW, NW World Tour, where, I mean, they had to do fake names and everything. But people that they were associated with in New Japan and all Japan. You have that same thing with AAA that you can actually have a couple guys like Laredo Kid and whatnot. And then, you know, Impact, obviously. Uh, if you can do Ring of Honor, great. NWA. So this AEW video game is going to be great for the non-AEW wrestlers as well as pretty much everyone from AEW. And I'm sure if they don't get a couple because of the release date, they'll probably have some DLC. And I don't mind, you know, compared to other people doing that. Plus the Legends. 
which there's going to be so many fucking legends. If they were smart, I don't know why you wouldn't have, because that's a selling point for all the WWE video games. You wouldn't have a young Jake Roberts. You wouldn't have Arn Anderson. You wouldn't have all these other guys as a part of your roster. The fact that Owen Hart will be in the first wrestling video game since, what, the 90s? Um, forgot the game was, but the one where British Bulldog turned into a bulldog while he was uh, fighting. It's like they took the old classic one and mixed it with Street Fighter. But it's been a long time is what I'm saying. And I want to talk about the Owen Cup, um, just specifically, Chris, not only the video game and how you're excited about it, the fact that this could be a ridiculous roster of like all the basically non-WWE people, whether it be older wrestlers or current wrestlers. Um, but who do you who, give me a couple of guys that you would love to see win that tournament? Uh, Hangman Adam Page. That would be a guy I would put on the list. I would love to see that. I want this tournament to be a lot like the G1. So I think that there is a good way to get a bunch of people over, and hopefully that's how they handle it. We haven't heard the details of what the cup is going to be, but right off the rip, I would say Hangman Adam Page. I want to see in it. I want to see Darby Allen in it. I want to see uh, Jungle Boy in it. I think it would be cool to have a Will Hobbs in there. Um, yeah, I mean, they have, they're have they so stacked with talent. I mean, John Moxley would be good in it. And if they do it like the G1 and they run it multiple weeks, you're going to get all of the same great wrestling you get now, but in a tournament format. I think that's something they could easily do, depending on how they want to book it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Hangman Adam Page is the first name that comes to mind. I love that idea. And I don't know how I didn't think about that idea, honestly. My top three that I thought of, one of them is not even a part of the roster, well, yet. Um, I think it's only a matter of time. But the two people a part of the roster, I'd love to see Frankie Kazarian win that, just because it would just be like a notch. Um, And I guess Scorpio Sky, for that matter, too. Uh, Something that they could win. But Frankie would be fun if you're going to do someone, you know, basically a living legend. Younger, Jungle Boy, really comes to mind kind of embodies that wrestling style and just could probably use that and would be a big, big deal for him, especially since I don't see him getting maybe the TNT belt, but any belt anytime soon, you know, and I thought of kind of fitting, even though he will be a different name then, uh, you know, Kevin Steen. If, if Kevin Owens signs with AW and this is in the springtime, something that would make a lot of sense is for him to win the Owen just because, it would give him something, you know, it would give him something big in AW, separate him from WWE. And the reason why he picked Owen instead of Steen when they made him change his name is because he's a huge Owen Hart fan. He named his uh, first son Owen because of that. I think four wrestlers he always puts over as his favorites are Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Mick Foley. And if you think about it, those are the four guys that kind of encompass Kevin Owen. So for him to win that, I think would be a fun thing if he comes in, you know, say February and they do this in April. But I love the idea of Adam Page winning. I'm just hoping actually Adam Page has the championship before that. So maybe he doesn't have a reason to win. But still, a uh, participant, uh, this could be done weekly on your show. You now have all obviously the if you want to do like a G1 style one, you have the YouTube, uh, you know, shows as well. You can really get this stretched out and have an awesome tournament and then have one wrestler take away, especially that first one is going to be a big deal. 
Um, it's going to be fun. Do you, do you have Martha present things or do you have Brett try to get him to present the Owen to the person that wins it, Chris? I mean, if you can get both, get both, right? I, I don't know. I know that. Oh, man, if we get if we get a moment where the two of them hug, that'd be great just for, as a wrestling fan. Yeah, I mean, if you can get both, get both. But uh, I think Martha doing it is great. You know, like, I, I have no problem with it just being her. Obviously, if you're tying it back to pro wrestling, you know, Bret Hart being there is a big deal. But I have no problem with Martha, especially with everything that she's done with the Owen Hart Foundation and trying to help out needy families and stuff. As her being the person to kind of present and lead this on, I have absolutely no problem with that at all. I think that's a great way to take it. And it's it's an Owen Hart tournament, so I think they're going to make it very much about the wrestling and not about all the other extracurricular stuff. So if it's just Martha, I'm completely fine with that. Yeah, it's just uh, it's going to be an awesome tournament and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think this is a really great idea and just it proves. I don't know. Tony's Tony's getting better and better, but this is really, you know, proving to us wrestling fans that he gives a shit, you know, the way he did handle Brody Lee. And now having this intention and wanting to do this, I think this is uh, it's really good of Tony. Yeah, and, and I loved your idea of, you know, if Kevin Steen does end up there, maybe he is the guy to win it. That would be cool. But if they do it like G1, it doesn't really matter who wins it because it's all about the tournament and the matches you can have within the tournament, which is the way I think AEW should handle it if they can. Well, speaking about the G1, um, I haven't got a chance to keep up with it. I've heard... The two matches I've heard the most of uh, is our at least current co-IWGP uh, World Heavyweight Champion with uh, Mr. Will Ospreay, who's considering him the the fake champion. But Shingo Takagi and uh, Ishii apparently had a barn burner. And then I heard a lot of good things about, I mean, of course, they always have great chemistry. Kazuchika Okada and uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. So any type of highlights, what do you want to talk about when it comes to G1 tournament? I'm probably going to spend part of tomorrow somewhat catching up. I mean, Ishii might be, if not the best wrestler in the world right now, one of the best wrestlers. And his selling is absolutely phenomenal. Go watch that Ishii Takagi match. Anyone listening to this, go watch that. I know there's a lot of hype around Omega and and the American Dragon, and and Walter and Dragunov. But hear me out. I think this is the best wrestling match I've seen this year. So go check that out. Okada and Tanahashi, not the best match they've ever had. Still a really, really good fucking match. So highly recommend checking that out. That's the highlights for the first two nights. Um, the lowlights would be the Kenta matches I've seen so far. He's just been kind of terrible. So... But the G1 tournament's been great. Solid wrestling. Like I said, they gave you two big matches. I haven't watched night three and night four yet. But uh, yeah, Ishii versus Takagi. That's one everyone listening to this should go watch. It was fucking phenomenal. It's the battle of these two giant fucking rhinos. 
Well, actually, and that's the funny thing is that we always forget Shingo Takagi and Ishii are not the biggest guys, but they are, you know, brick shithouses. And uh, I'm sure, and they're also great technical wrestlers, especially Shingo. So I'm sure it was an amazing match. And Okada and Tanahashi always dance well together. So I definitely have to get caught up on it because I definitely love me some G1. Yeah, in the, in the, t- the Takagi Ishii match, the announcing on it is really great as well. They talk about how they both have like no more moves that they haven't done. There's like two left and they're calling. They're almost calling the spots before they happen, knowing that that's all they have left to put the other guy down. It is an absolute fucking battle. And like I said, probably the best match I've seen this year. All right. One more note before we go over extreme rules is that, uh, a wrestler that has a lot to do with Impact, AW wrestler Christopher Daniels, uh, is going to make his in-ring return. And it looks like it might be a part of the triple threat for the X Division title. Um, basically, the last pay-per-view, that was last weekend, uh, Josh Alexander beat PD Williams in a pretty damn good match um, and retained his X Division championship. Uh, Chris, or Chris, Christian, that's his full name. Uh, Christian Cage ended up going through Ace Austin and beating him and retained the World Heavyweight Championship. So Josh Alexander cashed in, if you will, on the X Division title and gave it to Scott Demore, basically saying that he wanted a chance at the World Championship against Christian. And now they're going to have a tournament to determine on Bound for Glory next month who's going to be up for the X Division Championship. So it'll be a three-way match, and it looks like Christopher Daniels made his presence and that he is going to be, or at least trying to get, and I'm assuming he will be a part of that three-way. So, you know, Christopher Daniels wants to be an X Division Championship, or an X Division Championship, an X Division Champion once again. And uh, I love all of this, you know. Uh, minus certain things with Mr. Carl Anderson, uh, other other than that, I think that Impact's been doing a lot of great things, and it's terrible to hear about Sammy, and not happy about that, obviously, but Josh Alexander is a great guy to go over Christian to get that title, and it would do a lot for him, but I could see Christian keeping it as well. But also with the X Division, bringing back, if you think Impact Wrestling, I think one of the first guys you think about would be Christopher Daniels. And for him to be... I don't know if he should win it, per se. I mean, at this point, who really cares? But they're going to have a tournament. He's probably going to be involved in it. He's now back at Impact. I think this is another reason why I do love the relationship with AEW and these other companies. It's because he can, they can provide stars of their past, like a Christian, like a Christopher Daniels, and uh, you know, uh, also get them on different products and give them something to do when they don't have a lot for them to do in their company. I don't even know if you know about this because I don't know if you watched Impact, but are you excited about the concept of Christopher Daniels potentially having the X Division Championship again? Very excited for it, man. I love Christopher Daniels. Uh, He's been on the show, so go back and listen to the interview we had with him for new listeners out there. Great guy, phenomenal wrestler. And like you said, when you when you say impact, there's four names that come to mind immediately for me. And that's uh, Jeff Jarrett, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe. 
Those are the first yep. three, their first four names I think of right off. The, Maybe Abyss right, off right after that. Abyss would be another good one. And, and, and that's, I think, how most Impact fans would feel, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's incredible to see him back. And I think that, you know, it could lead up. I, I know he said he would never wrestle in AEW again. But maybe they do something on Jericho's cruise. Do a tag match with him and Kazarian versus the Young Bucks. You get a rematch of that. Or There's a lot of cool stuff that you can do. But it's going to be amazing to see him working in the uh, X division again. And I really, really want that Ace Austin-Christopher Daniels match. I think that would be fucking great. So, yeah, I'm excited yeah. about this all around. Yeah, I am as well. And I just wanted to bring that up because... You know, this is the thing about AEW is that we're getting some spicy stuff and a lot of involvement with other different companies. So we're able to, you know, split up the roster amongst these different companies. So a lot of fun. But uh, let's let's go to the land, Chris, of WWE and start off by talking about our predictions for Extreme Rules, which is this Sunday, uh, September 26th. They're in Columbus, Ohio at the Nationwide Arena. And I don't know if there's more to be added to this, but it looks like this is going to be a short pay-per-view, Chris, with six matches. Uh, I don't even have a pre-show match uh, listed on this. And honestly, from the last two shows, I don't know if there's going to be anything added to this. It seems like these are the matches, so I'm happy about that. That means more time for them to shine in the ring, which is never a bad thing at all to me. And, um, you know, uh, we have pretty good matches that can get, you know, a lot of time, but also we don't have to be up until fucking midnight watching 12 matches or some shit, which WWE kind of likes to do to us. Uh, but let's start off by the first match and, uh, Liv Morgan and went against, uh, Carmella's good friend, uh, Tia Trinidad herself. Uh, if you will, uh, Selena Vega or Selena. Wow. I can't think of her name right now. Selena Kyle. That's not it. That's Catwoman. Uh, <laughs> Selena, Selena Vega. You had it right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. So what is the other Selena? Oh man. Doesn't matter. Uh, big fan of her too, <laughs> but, uh, she beat her friend and now she's going after Carmella and we're getting Liv Morgan versus Carmella. I, want Liv Morgan to go over I think it's if if they are <laughs> I should say I think it's great that she's getting a push but she should definitely win this Carmella's already won the championship a couple times you know and she beat Becky and Charlotte in the same night or whatever the fuck she or her claim to fame that she always talks about so I want Liv Morgan to win this Chris yeah I'm fine with Liv Morgan winning this as well and uh yeah, I mean, Carmella doesn't need a win. I think Carmella is who she is going to be at this point. I don't know that there's anything you could do to give her like a big push or anything a note. Whereas Liv Morgan, there's something there. They just like start the push and then end it and then start the push and then end it. So maybe this would be a step in the right direction. She gets a big win here. I'm assuming this is actually your pre-show match, though. Possibly, but that means there's only five matches on the main card. Yeah, until they announce something, like, while we're doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. John Cena versus Brock Lesnar! Huh? What? 
What? Okay. <laughs> I'm down for that. <laughs> what if Boston doesn't get murdered? So the biggest thing is like I don't remember them doing a lot of stips for this Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't think besides Roman Reigns and Finn Balor, I don't know if any of these, well, I guess a triple threat, there are technically no rules, but other than those two, I don't see any of these as a uh, hard, extreme rules match, hardcore match, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah, this is this pay-per-view is a lot of times an afterthought for WWE, and obviously their big show coming up is the Saudi show. So I think maybe they haven't paid that close of attention to what this pay-per-view should be. I'm not sure, but at least the matches are good, especially going forward. Uh, the Usos, Jey Uso, Jimmy Uso, Tag Team Champions, going against Street Profits. <sighs> I could see us going either way. But if the Street Profits win, it's going to definitely make the Usos look bad in the eye of, you know, the, the tribal chief himself. Roman Reigns. So I don't know if you do that. So I'm assuming the Usos have to go over, but I don't know if the feud will be done past this, Chris. I could see the Street Profits for whatever reason. Maybe if it's some bullshit interference, maybe by Paul Heyman, Roman, whoever, uh, causes a win, and then they take this feud going forward because I think they should stay in the pocket with these two tag teams, and eventually the Street Profits should be the guys that take those titles off the Usos. Yeah, I'm thinking the Usos retain here, and I'm I'm just trying to keep in the back of my mind that the draft is directly after this pay-per-view. So they, they may... That's very true. Just, they could just easily split those teams. Mm. I mean, that is very, very true. Well, we have a triple threat match for the U.S. title, and based off the interactions, I understand... I love the wrestling world. Why is Jeff Hardy running around trying to get the 24-7 title? This is bullshit. Why is Jeff Hardy now, all of a sudden, after losing a bunch, getting the U.S. championship? You know, this is bullshit. So you can't have, you can't have anything at all. I don't give a fuck. All I know is that Je Jeff Hardy and Sheamus had a bullshit feud. But towards the end, because of their matches, I started realizing... Wow, Sheamus is actually doing a lot better, and then I feel like it excelled himself past that. I liked what I've seen with Damian Jeff Hardy in the ring, and I've definitely liked what I've seen with De Damian Priest and Sheamus. So this should be an awesome match. I do not see the title going off of Damian Priest, but if it does, because a lot of people bitched, and if Jeff Hardy wins it, I also don't have a problem with that at all. I don't think Sheamus going to win, but he actually because he has been for a while, might be the MVP of the match, um, even if he's the loser and takes the pin. But it's either Damian Priest or Jeff Hardy. I'm leaning towards Damian Priest. What do you think, Chris? I think Damian Priest is going to retain, but I think they, the entire reason they added Jeff Hardy to the match is to take the pin. And that could be it, too. So I, you know, whatever, or the submission, whatever they want to do. But I think they're, you know, trying to protect Sheamus and build up to another Damian Priest Sheamus singles match, which to me just means Jeff Hardy is kind of fodder. Um, and, and that's why I think he's in this match to answer those questions of people being upset one way or the other. <laughs> this is why we don't have nice things, people.
You tribal, tribal people online. I do not understand you, but, you know, got to deal with that styled bullshit. That's why I'd recommend just getting the fuck off Twitter, at least wrestling Twitter. Anyways, uh, as we go from here, Shada Flair, the Raw Women's Champion, is going against Alexa Bliss. So um, I didn't give a shit about this, really, until their last two, especially the last interaction they had. Uh, their promo was great. Charlotte called out Alexa, you know, and being like, what happened to you? What the fuck is this? You know, you know, you're running around with dolls now. You used to be the last SmackDown and Raw Women's Champion. Called her out, and Alexa kind of, the old Alexa kind of came out in this, and their brawl was good. I thought that was the best they could have done towards this, but Charlotte Flair really should retain. Um, I just don't see this version of Alexa as champion. But should be a good match. I agree with you. Unfortunately, it's WWE, so I feel like they're going to piss in my Cheerios. So I have Alexa winning this match. I don't blame you for that prediction. I mean, it's very much. Here's the thing about Alexa, even though. And that was my favorite call out. Alexa says, you know, you're living in the shadow of your father. And Charlotte's like, oh, okay," because you haven't borrowed from a wrestler at all. You know, and put like everything back on her. Obviously, you're talking about Bray Wyatt. Uh, so I, 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 she's selling merch, even though it's the Fiends hand-me-down merch, if you will. That doll is selling, and they're definitely going for more. You know, it's like the older audience and the younger, younger audience is what they're going for. Which, if you look at AW, it's right in between. So I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Alexa. The possibility of her winning is, is makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, and it's WWE, and you know maybe they're looking at the the backlash from Dark Side of the Ring and just taking the title off someone named Flair in general. That adds and that, to it. That could be it. That could be it for sure. I mean, yeah, put it on the person that's selling some of the most merch in the company compared to the person whose last name is associated very negatively right now. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, the other women's championship match for the SmackDown, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair. I love their stuff back and forth from last night. Um, that started off the show. It's going to be really weird if Bianca beats Becky, her first actual match back. I feel like Becky's going to win. It's going to be a much longer match, but it's going to be because of some type of bullshit, basically. Something. And then, yeah, I wonder if I don't know. this is... I, won- I wonder if this is a moment where Sasha does come back or something to get involved in this match, or maybe you you put Becky and Seth together as a heel. That would be interesting. Cost, cost uh, Bianca the match. But yeah, it is... It, I'm still not on board with Becky being a heel in general, but if you're going to do it, I feel like adding someone else into the mix would probably help. Um, but yeah, this is just kind of unfortunate for Bianca, who, like I said, like we both said, I don't think they should have done that match at the pay-per-view the way they, the way they did. Um, and the build-up to this has been weird. Now, that being said, I did not see SmackDown last night, because as noted earlier, I was at a Counting Crows concert, so I did not get a 
watched the full show. So did anything of interest happen between these two on SmackDown that maybe I'm missing? Yeah, it opened up with Becky. She kind of, you know, talked about how Bianca got all this praise in her hometown and she lost the title beforehand. And she doesn't understand where all the negative reception she's getting from the fans, you know, playing stupid, but also insulting both the fans and uh, Bianca. Bianca came out and they had an interaction and um, that's that's about it. I mean, I think she got a promo on her later on again, just backstage. But that was about it. So it's just kind of fueling everything. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's uh, that's 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 it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. well, with that being in the back of my mind, I assume that it's just going to be some kind of fuckery finish and, you know, Becky will retain. If it was me, I would put her and Seth together. I think that's a good thing to do with everyone knowing they're married and they're both heels anyways. There's no reason not to. Um, have this like heel power couple similar to I don't know Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, you know. Well, um, you know she she's not. Don't tell Steph I said this, but she's not much of a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, but you get what I'm saying. You could make like a heel power couple if you wanted to go that yeah. route. Or this is a good time to bring Sasha back if she if is able and wants to. That would set up a pretty cool three way match. Um in the near future if she wants to interfere in this. But yeah, I think Becky is retaining here. All right. And the last uh, listed match. So I don't know. That's the thing. Obviously we had the angle where edge got hurt from uh, Seth Rollins last week and they're pretty damn good match. Their second match. Uh, But Seth, you know, doesn't feel remorse for it. That's leading towards the third match, but it's not going to be on this. And also, no Big E versus anyone. So that's kind of strange. You would think that they would have set that up, but they've had him, you know, I guess it would be Bobby Lashley since Bobby was pissed and fucking came out and murdered everyone on Monday. (laughs) Just suplexing bitches and then ended up losing. Um, I think he ate the pin from Roman Reigns in the three-way later on on Monday Night Raw. But you would think Lashley and Big E would be on this, but not. Um, so the last match is Roman Reigns and the Demon Finn Balor. And Demon last night went pretty much ape shit and took out the bloodline with a chair during uh, an Extreme Rules match. You know, I think it's definitely going to be Roman Reigns, but I I don't know. I mean, I, they could do some creative stuff if they wanted to. Um, it's an Extreme Rules match for the championship. You've got the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns against the Demon Finn Balor in a match that they can do whatever the fuck they want. So, I don't know, Chris. I'm, I'm going to go with Roman Reigns. This is a little bit of a bold prediction, but I think maybe Finn gets the win here. Could have something to do with Brock, some kind of weirdness. But I, I think Finn might win here just simply because I think that they're going to move Roman to Raw. So they wouldn't want the the title. They would have to switch both champions. Um, this whole pay per view is weird because like, where the hell is RK Bro? Like, I don't know. <laughs> where is uh like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn's, Nakamura's, and the Boogs of the world? I think the it, it, me as a fan, the people I would want to see perform live. You know, like not that there's anything wrong with some of the matches they have on this card, but 
I mean, one of the biggest things they have going right now is RK Bro and, and Nakamura and Rick Boogs. And they're nowhere to be found, I guess. I, I don't, this is just such a short card. I feel like I, I'm going to check their Twitter here in just a second while we're finishing this up just to see if they've announced like six other matches or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. It's very, very strange. I mean, you could do the Lashley Big E match and get that over with, but they didn't establish that. So you would think that's not going to be on there. And a lot of the ones that you're talking about, you know, they did the Apollo ma- uh, match with Shinsuke last night for the IC title. Um, so that's not going to be on this. It's it's uh, it's uh, kind of strange. Six matches, and one of them we assume we're assuming might be the pre-show match with Liv Morgan and uh, and um, uh, wow, I can't remember her name right now. Stop my head, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I haven't. Yeah, so. They haven't announced anything else um, other than they're going to do a Steve Austin broken skull sessions with Seth Rollins. That'll be really fun. I'm down but for that. There's no other matches. Hopefully they talk about Tyler Black and Ring of Honor. That'd be great. Um, yeah, they haven't. They haven't announced anything. I'm very surprised. I thought they would at least add one or two more matches, but. It's the card. They're really putting over Finn Balor on their Twitter, which probably means he's going to lose because they did that with <laughs> they did that with Cena recently. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I the only reason I say that Finn could end up winning this title is I think the end goal is, you know, Roman versus well, obviously Roman versus Brock in the near future, but eventually Roman versus The Rock at Mania. That's what they've been building towards for a long time. If they've lock that down you don't want roman as the champion headed into that i would think uh, i mean it's the wwe i could see them saying fuck it when it comes to that concept as well i mean obviously it makes it look like roman's gonna win but i think all of us think that roman's gonna win regardless because how the fuck would the rock get the title afterwards you know? Well, that's that's why i think they're taking the title off of him i don't know that you have roman beat the rock at wrestlemania Unless I don't know. Trying to piss everyone off. I actually think it's a smarter thing to do. Um, it will say a lot if he's gone through all these amazing people and he's able to beat The Rock as well. Uh, you know. Because we see him yeah, going through Brock Lesnar. I, I mean, I think that's a very fine line to walk because then it's like you're pushing him as almost as a baby face again. And you know how the, the fans have felt about that. I don't know. The Roman thing is really, really weird, especially when you're talking about names like Brock Lesnar and the rock. Uh, so I don't know, maybe I, I don't know. It, I'm assuming this will be the best match of the night. Is there something you think would be better? Maybe Usos and no. Profits. Yeah, that one could be close. And the three way actually with Damian Priest, Sheamus and Jeff Hardy should be good. But this one, should steal the night. And honestly, you know, we can pretend that people don't pay attention to other things, but after the reception of Omega and Danielson, I think that Finn Balor and Roman should be talking about trying to really fucking have a great match. Maybe not up to that level, but trying to outdo themselves between the two of them. 
yeah, I mean, I assumed that that Omega and, and uh, the American Dragon were going to pull out all the stops just because the G1's happening at the same time, and that's the level they're going to be compared at. So I would I would think that Finn Balor probably feels the same way with everything going on in wrestling right now. So I expect this match to be like a 20, 25-minute match, like an actual yep. main event. So it should be really, really good. And, uh, you know, Paul helped book that lesnar finn balor match which i think is the best lesnar match i've seen in a long time so if it's anything like that it should be a really damn good match and we also know from what they've said beforehand roman reigns and paul Heyman really like finn balor so this should be a good match between the two of them and that's the thing is the reason why you know i think anyone should be like kind of skeptical the demon does not lose and that was established. I'm glad they gave it more of a be- at least a better storyline, even though it was kind of just whatever WWE way of thinking. Because before it was like he was possessed by a family demon or some bullshit. And now it's just like, no, this is when I click on the most. This is my tribal like war paint, if you will. This represents me like when I put on this 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 this, uh, you know, this face paint and everything. That means I am at that level where. No one's going to take me out. And no one's been able to beat the demon on pay-per-views. And like I said, you either have Roman going over and doing something that no one's done, and that's another tip of his cap, or you have Finn Balor being able to win for whatever reason to get Roman different... What if Roman and the Usos both lose their championship storyline after this weekend? Yeah, I was just thinking that as well as you were talking back through that that might actually be really great to give them something else to play off of and you know there's always brock like brock could be the reason that roman loses here or whatever um actually you know like he could just come out and make the save and just suplex the shit out of the usos for a while and finn could win clean still with some outside fuckery but i don't think it's far-fetched for anyone to think that finn balor could walk away with the title here just because we have the draft coming up we know that the actual big match they want is is Brock and Roman and Saudi, and and maybe they don't want the title on the line there if they're going to have Brock win. Um, and then looming down the road even further is the Rock versus uh, Roman. And I mean, even if he drops the title here, he could pick it back up. Like that's not, it's not too crazy to think that you know Finn the Demon could walk out with that belt around his waist. And that makes this, that's the only thing about this pay-per-view that makes it intriguing, honestly. Yeah, I completely agree with you, but should be an interesting pay-per-view. Not, not as much intrigued as, uh, you know, it's not one of the big ones. And I have been kind of distracted with some girl that's newer over here on uh, Wednesday nights. But before we get to AEW, let's talk about... I just want to give props to Raw. I know that they had a loaded card because they had certain superstars that didn't go to the UK. So we had both champions, and it was established last SmackDown. It was going to be the bloodline going against the the New Day. And they not only started off with that angle, they had a great match. It gets you know, partially interrupted by Bobby Lashley. And if I'm going to give shit... To AEW, I'll give shit to fucking WWE. I know the concept was the referee wasn't going to stop this big-ass match because of this type of interference, but still, it was kind of stupid. 
in my opinion, at least. They didn't stop it. And obviously, uh, because of that, the bloodline uh, ended up, you know, uh, getting the win. Or was it the New Day that got the win? I think. don't remember. I'll look that up so I can correct myself. Apologize. It was uh, Carmella earlier. I can remember her name. But um, just still an awesome match and set up a badass main event between Big E, Roman Reigns, and Bobby Lashley later on. And Big E ended up winning. Or not ended up winning. Roman Reigns ended up winning. But we also had an awesome match with AJ Styles and Randy Orton. And you can let them have a million matches. Uh, we had a really good interaction, like I already talked about, with Charlotte and Alexa Bliss. And a uh, good match with Jeff Hardy and Damian Priest. And this was all peppered in and actually structured out. And just was a, a good night. Um, even Even the shit with Matt Riddle in the back with... Just I love his interactions with Randy Orton when he won't shut the fuck up and he keeps on talking. And, you know, you have Randy like, God dang it. Like, the way they do it is hilarious. It's great. And, yeah, who who ended up getting the pin, man? I think I remember this. We're distracted. So Reigns nailed a spear. Yeah, yeah, that's what I – yeah. So Xavier got a spear from Roman Reigns. He got the win. And I think that this is just an example where since it got shortened and stopped because of some interaction, there's a good chance we'll get the Bloodline versus the New Day in more of a full, complete match on Survivor Series. So I'm calling that right now. But just a lot of fun for Monday Night Raw. See, this is the weird thing when you're saying, wow, this week it didn't suck. Chris. Uh, yeah, there was some good stuff on the show. I, I pretty much only watched the Bloodline, Usos, and the main event. Um, but that was enough to carry the show and make it very interesting. I didn't, you know, I have a hard time watching Raw at this point. I feel like I've been disappointed for way too long <laughs> watching that show. But um, the two big things they put forth was great. And then also, like you said, RK Bro, uh, I always check out their segments. But I don't know. Raw's in a weird spot. And uh, I don't know, maybe the draft will help it. And... You know, they if they are alluding back to the Usos versus the New Day for a long period of time, that would make sense with Roman maybe losing the title and them losing the titles and getting drafted to Raw um, or vice versa, whatever, but putting them on the same roster. The draft is always the weird thing that comes after this pay-per-view because it, it, it almost makes the pay-per-view itself just to set up for whatever they're going to do going forward. Yeah, it's it's going to be strange. What the hell's going to happen with this draft? I have no idea. But uh, this is all pre-gaming towards the beginning of the season, if you will. So uh, this pay-per-view's it's not throwaway. I mean, there. I think Finn Balor and Roman Reigns will have a a good match. But that's how I feel about the pay-per-view. It's like before we get to the draft, it's kind of whatever because everything's going to change completely in the next couple weeks. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm down for more Usos versus New Day. I would like to see them on the same roster and maybe Big E and Roman on the same roster with Roman without the title having to go through a bunch of other extracurricular bullshit to get back to Big E. I think that's fun. I mean, it just really depends on what they're... I mean, this entire company is built around whatever they want to do with Roman at the moment because 
is their top star and probably the biggest star in wrestling right now. I know people don't want to hear that. As far as uh, his I don't know if I agree with that because I think I am the real wrestler and the best that ever has been. Look, there's bigger, there's bigger people. There's people that are more over than Roman, but as far as what they mean to the company and and how the storylines are built, I mean, these shows kind of fall apart without Roman Reigns there. No, and I definitely agree with you. All right, let's talk a little bit about NXT. You know, the the 2.0. It's been the last two weeks where we start this new, very, very colorful. I will say I like the set. It does look better. It looks more open. But at the same time, it kind of looks like Nickelodeon made a, you know, audience fucking live action, whatever the fuck, over at Universal. I guess they're in Disney. Yeah, MGM Studios. Whatever. I've been there. It's not there anymore. But it was great. There was slime and stuff. Um, but it it looks fine. It just actually kind of like looks a little bit like old school Impact. Um, the wrestlers they're going for, I think some of them are going to be awesome. I'm I'm I can't remember what his last name is, but Tony, you know, Salami. Whatever, the guy that's from Chicago that's supposed to have a Chicago accent who's obviously saying that he's his family's in the mob, um, but uh, he's doing more of like a Brooklyn accent. I know that because not only am I Italian and I know my accents when it comes to mafia-related shit, um, Chicago is very, very different <laughs> than New York. Whatever. He's doing his thing. They keep on showing promos. I'm looking forward to him. I know that they changed Parker Bardot, who's the guy that looks very, very similar to Brock Lesnar, has been there for a little while, as Harland. He's about to make his appearance. Uh, they're very high on Ridge Holland because of his physique. UK wrestler. We've seen on there for a while. He's with Pete Dunne. And now we have another group of two guys that come out together doing the Diesel Shawn Michaels thing. I think that's going on a little bit too much in wrestling right now, in my personal opinion, across the board. But what are you going to do? I guess Dakota, got, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez uh, switched it up. But the ones that it seems like they're going for as of right now, they got Von Wagner in there, Von Halen, or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, I know that Vince has been very high on him, just by sight. Not by performance, <laughs> but by sight. Uh, because he looks similar to Edge. Did you call him Von Halen? <laughs> Yeah, Von Halen, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Whatever, whatever. Oh, man. But the best one, I think, and the, obviously the one they're, they're turning into, you got to worry, Ciampa's got to worry about his title, even though that they've, they've tagged together and whatnot. doesn't really matter. It's Brom Breaker, which I'm still not over the fact that he can't just be Rex Steiner, which was, and I will say, that was the first name they thought of. Vince decided he didn't want them associated with the Steiner brothers so he could build it up from scratch. It's stupid. He looks just like his dad, Rick Steiner, and talks just like his fucking uncle. I know that Bill Goldberg has been friends with them. He's definitely given me a little bit of a Bill Goldberg feel, not just the tattoo, but just the intensity. So they've got a lot of uh, projects. Odyssey Jones has been featured. Um, you know, they're not straying away from hit row. Um, 
But God, it some of the wrestling I've seen has been so green. Seeing Kyle O'Reilly taken out so he can't even be in the championship match, I was like, well, I, I don't know what the hell that means. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. Some of the guys, like I said, Braun Breaker, I think is going to be awesome. I think that he should, he's, if he's Bronson Rich Steiner, I like Rex Steiner. That was awesome. But Steiner, like, why can't he have, be a part of his family lineage? I, I, I don't get that. Stupid. I know Gable Stevenson's brother is about to, uh, you know, make his rounds. It's going to be very telling if they don't associate him with his brother and it's not Mark Stevenson anymore and they give him whatever fucking name. I don't know. That type of stuff bothers me, but I'm still seeing Pete Dunne on there. I'm still seeing Tommaso Ciampa as a champion. Um, apparently, Samoa Joe wasn't injured at all. That's the word that I'm hearing. Um, I don't know. Just uh, very strange, Chris. Yeah, I, it, I, Braun Breaker, by the way, is fucking great in ring so far. I love him. I like what they're doing with Ridge Holland. I think eventually he can be a big star for that company. But the overall problem with the show is it was built around a Kushida match. And that match was eight minutes and five of those minutes were fucking screen and screen. So I immediately hated the show as a huge Kushida fan. Um, I mean, that that was easily going to be the match of the night if it was actually on the show. But I think the days of four to five star NXT matches are, are in the past at this point. They're definitely just doing three, four minute matches to try to build new stars, which may not be a bad thing. I don't know that I'd be super stoked about it if I was, uh, you know, USA. But, uh, I mean, that's kind of where we're at with what NXT is. I like the look still. I think it's great. It's just the the rest of the changes they're making, me and you've talked about, I don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Parker Bardo has a big, like, you know, explosion. He's big. And he's also, we can see, in a realm like a Braun Breaker. That's good. I mean, they're both ex-football players. Obviously, Vince has some type of, I don't know. He, he likes Von Wagner. He likes his look. I don't think any of them are bad. I think that Braun Breaker actually has been impressive. But the other ones I'm looking by look-wise and a little bit of experience with Von Wagner. But if we're saying them, Odyssey Jones, those are the ones that Vince is looking forward to. And looking at as as future prospects to be superstars, I get it. I just want to know what's going to happen to some of my wrestlers that I like on there because, like I said, it was very telling that Kyle O'Reilly was taken out ahead of time and not put in that championship match. And I I feel bad for Eli Drake. Two weeks ago, he lost randomly at the beginning of the show to Braun Breaker and then took the pin for the championship later on that night. Yeah, I still don't understand why Braun Breaker wasn't the person in that match after beating Eli Drake. Um, that booking was a little weird. The Von Wagner guy, I don't see Edge at all when I watch him wrestle or the way he looks, other than he has long hair. So I don't know where they're coming up with that comparison. And if that's Oh, Vince just thinks he looks like him. That's it. Okay. He, Vince just thinks he looks like him, and he thinks yeah. he's a star because of that. Maybe Von Halen is a good name for him. 
but like that's if Eddie or not Eddie, but Edge is Van Halen with David Lee Roth, and this is Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. It makes a lot of <laughs> a lot of fucking sense. So we're, we've gone to we've gone to terms with this is not this is FMW basically. This is not a third brand. This is literally going back to it becoming a developmental style show. But at the same time, and you already said it, how does USA gonna like? How do they feel about that? Like, ah, this is just gonna be whatever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Maybe uh, then smooth things over by saying, "Hey, we're gonna give you Roman on Raw." So maybe maybe that's what it is. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it is. I mean, the writing is on the wall when you when every match is three minutes and it's a bunch of truly developmental guys. And some of them have really good talent. Like, I think Braun Breaker has looked really good in the ring. But some of the stuff we've seen the past two weeks has not been, like as you said, was not great. Also, some of the scripted promos like the Trick Williams that uh, Trick Williams and like I can't think of his can't think of his name right now oh damn he won the breakout um yeah but uh, honestly jones got i'll have to find that out for you yeah yeah i I can't think of their names right now but the promo that they did last week sounded like a 50 year old man was trying to write something for youtube (laughs) it was just it's just absolutely terrible and the same thing with bfab like her promo it was the same thing like, let's use a bunch of buzzwords the kids say. And it just made me immediately think of, uh, hey, my fellow kids. <laughs> like, Hi, children. Uh, it's, yeah. So there's still stuff that they're trying to work out. And I know they're trying to get people mic exposure. But the best thing to do is not give them such scripted promos. But we, we just know that that's, not, that's just going to be a thing. Um, Trick Williams is an awesome name. I don't say that much about people in NXT. That's a great, <laughs> that's a pretty great wrestling name. Just don't have them doing these whack promos. Uh, and, and like I said, I'm not big on the Von Wagner guy at all. Um, I think Rich Holland could be a big star. He's got a good look, and when he fucking hits people, it makes me scared, which is a good good thing to be. And uh, yeah, Braun. He's uh, Braun Breaker is everything that we thought he was going to be, which is just suplexing motherfuckers constantly. I can't. He did that deadlift suplex, not this week, but last week on Eli Drake, and it looked awesome. And I'm like, hell yeah, dude, let's get a too bad. His name is not Rex Steiner. It's such a better name. So weird. You know, it's so weird. It's like he's got the tie dye and they called him. He's like a dog faced gremlin. And then he does the Steiner recliner as his fucking finisher this last week, you know, Scott's version of the camel clutch. Hmm. I wonder. And he sounds like, seriously, I text you this. Like if you would have said, you know, call him a fat bastard, like it would have been, <laughs> he sounds exactly like Scott. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's good. I understand they're trying to individualize him and take him away just from the Steiner name. But I feel like what they're doing, like when he was looking down to Masha Ciampa and Ciampa's like, God, will you calm down after Ciampa won? He's going for like a Bill Goldberg thing. He's like, I'm intense. I'm intense. It's like when he's when he's more himself, he sounds like his uncle. Yeah, and Carmelo I, Hayes is the one you were talking about. Yes, Carmelo Hayes. And and nothing against Carmelo Hayes. I just couldn't think of his name. And, and the scripted promos were terrible. But that I mean, his in-ring work has been fine. Odyssey Jones, I like him a lot. 
but they still haven't figured out what the fuck to do with Keith Lee. So it, the fact that Vince is high on him does not necessarily mean good things in the future for that guy. No, that means that him and Keith Lee are going to be in a tag team together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You guys are uh, so similar. Uh, um, God damn it. That, hey, that would be a badass tag team, though. It would. Uh, <laughs> You're fucked if you go against them. I mean, it's it's too it's a little too on the nose for me, but a little too on the uh, nose for me, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I they got some good talent there, and it's oh. just we're gonna suffer three three minute matches. That's what it's gonna be. And also, like, don't promise me a fucking Kushida match and put five minutes of it in a commercial and, and have Kushida lose. It's, it's that was that was the most tragic thing of the show. I mean, at least it's Roderick Strong, but if we got a strong match, but no pun intended, got a strong match between the two of them, I wouldn't have minded, but I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I want to also say, I don't know where he's going, but I've heard of Joe Gacy, like, on the independence. Uh, he was part of CZW back in the day. Uh, he's part of, he's, well, was, I should say, part of Game Changer Wrestling, so GCW, He's done a lot of hardcore matches. I've heard Mick Foley put him over beforehand. And he's doing this, I don't know, it reminds me of Steven Richards in um, in uh, Uncensor, or uh, Right to Censor. But, like, he's using a lot of, like, terms like, you know, cancel culture and stuff like that. But then he lost! So it was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. So, strange. <sighs> they'll just, they'll figure it out. Those crazy kids will figure it out. Right, Chris? Uh, I mean, doubtful. Where the fuck was Ikman Jiro? Exactly. I've been saying this for months. (laughs) He should always be there. Last time I saw him, he was in that wedding. (laughs) Jesus Uh, Christ. uh, Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's Ciampa is the champion. Why is Ciampa a better champion than Samoa Joe? I don't know. I have no idea. And the I forgot the gentleman's name is, but he's the one that's always on Conan's podcast, kind of giving the breakdown of stuff that they hear. He's in the industry. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's like, yeah, Samojo apparently wasn't really injured. They just, uh, Vince didn't see him, you know, having a championship just in case he does get it. It was some bullshit, basically. And it's like, well, then why the fuck are you going to put it on Champa? Like, isn't that the same type of... The better question is, why would you have him beat Karrion Cross if that was exactly the stupid case? Well, we have uh, him. He's demolitions, baby. God, yeah. So I, 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 they're weeding out all of the old stars. So Champa, you next, homie. GG. Braun Breaker is gonna split him in half. Uh, all right. Well, I just want to get out W or. Get through WWE, so let's just talk about SmackDown, and we'll talk about the one huge card split up between Dynamite and Rampage for AEW. Um, But let's, you know, you didn't see SmackDown. I'll just kind of go over some of the highlights. We already talked about the Becky stuff, so I don't think we have to do that. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Becky Lynch comes out. She's really mean. Then they had um, King Nakamura go against Paula Cruz. He defeated him. Eight-minute match. Nothing to talk about. I'm sure this is leading up to another one. Liv Morgan defeated Zelina Vega. Uh, Carmella was at commentary. 
stretched across the you know, the, uh, the the desk itself like a model as opposed to sitting down behind it. So she was completely blocking Pat McAfee, but I don't think that he minded the the uh, the you know what was in front of him. Anyways, Nikki Ash defeated Natalia in less than two minutes, and no one cares. Um, Naomi came out, uh, very, very good segment actually. And, uh, she's not messing around anymore. We had uh universal champion Roman Reigns going against Montez Ford. That was a damn good match. And basically what ended that, like I said, the demon came out and just beat the living shit out of the Usos after Ford lost. It was a really good match with Ford. I think like everyone besides the guys we're talking about on NXT, those are even smaller. I've said I think that Vince sees something in certain people. Even though Damian Priest is a little bit older, I think he sees something in him. I think he sees something in Matt Riddle. I think he sees something actually in Rick Boogs. And Montez Ford is up there. So it was good to see, even though you know it was a non-title match, Roman Reigns having a good match with Montez Ford for almost 16 minutes. And then at the end, we have the Demon come out and just destroy uh, you know, the Usos and a little bit of, of, uh, Mr. Uh, whatchamacallit, uh, um, a little bit, we would, you know, of, of reigns, that type of interaction did happen, but he got out of there obviously like he usually does, but yeah, that was SmackDown, Chris. It wasn't really that much besides that main event. Yeah. It kind of sounds like it was just your average wwe go home show based off what you just described um, and like i said for everyone listening out there i did not get to watch this show for the most part i caught a couple of clips but uh so i, I don't want to give a hard opinion on it one way or the other had nakamura on it so it should have been okay <laughs> is that yeah, your so- pre- is that the pre-show match it's still not announced i'm looking at their twitter now are they gonna do apollo Crews versus nakamura as a pre-show i could see them doing that I'd still keep that on Nakamura. Um, God, I I mean, I think me and you talked about it. What would be great is if Finn Balor does end up losing to Roman Reigns and they're still on the same brand. I'd love to see Nakamura and Finn Balor in a serious feud with the two of them. But then again, we have the whole Rick Boogs thing going on right now. So who knows? Uh, the surprising thing is we, we talked a little bit about Kevin Steen and Sammy Callahan. Or not Sammy Callahan, Sammy Zayn. Um, where they weren't on SmackDown at all, right? Well, both their contracts are coming up, just like Mr. Johnny Gargano. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, that's what that's what I was getting at. Are they just gonna like put them on the back burner? Because wasn't weren't they doing a Corbin Owens yeah. feud with one of the Paul well, brothers? Yeah, and Logan Paul ended up, I think, punching out fucking Kevin Owens the last time we saw him. Yeah, so I thought there would have been some follow-up to that on this pay-per-view, unless they're planning on doing that. In, well, they can't plan on doing that in Saudi because fucking Kevin Owens isn't going to go there. So <laughs> he said he's not going to go until they let Sammy. They're go. leaving, man. They're leaving. Yeah, they're done. So uh, that Gargano's I mean, leaving too. I, I I really don't see the point of those guys. Any three of them sticking around. Yeah, I mean, unless they're going to put DIY back together or something. I, yeah, I, I would agree with you. That would be great, I mean, Gar- but how Gargano, long are you going to keep his... Ciampa and fucking Gargano on NXT? 
the only caveat with Gargano is his wife is under contract still, which I, well, I mean that's not a deal breaker though. Which just means they're going to tack on that pregnancy time to her contract. This is WWE. <laughs> we know you're pregnant, but you got pregnant. Uh, you know, like she goes to have the baby, they're going to tack on that additional three or four months or whatever for maternity leave to the end of the contract. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't joke about that, but that's, I mean, it's true. If we haven't seen it happen before, <laughs> I wouldn't have to make jokes about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that would be the only caveat with Johnny Gargano is if they're going to keep letting him do storylines with Candice LeRae. I, you know, I don't know that he would necessarily want to leave. Yeah, because you know that out of all the stupid shit, Vince probably popped when it came to the wedding angle, and maybe if he actually looked up their stuff that's kind of up Vince's alley their little family dynamic and I'm assuming he probably like Cameron Grimes because even though Johnny Gargano and Cameron Grimes could be going for the fucking 24-7 title if they get on the main roster uh it made him giggle because that wedding was fun and it was hilarious but it was like this is perfect for Vince's transition into taking power of this over Hunter <laughs> it's just up his alley it's also terrible thinking what is going to come of it <laughs> like oh god where, where it's going to go now that they are married That's... remember katie vick uh-huh <laughs> yep jesus i'm i'm i remember uh, no yeah they that's the only like i said that's the only reason i would see johnny gargano staying is if they make a family decision to stay i mean if you're in NXT, at least you're not doing live tours that often, right? There's that part of it. There's also, I mean, he's been highlighted. It's not like they've done anything to really bury Gargano. He's a, they're, to something I've complained about over the past year, they've been heavily a big part of NXT for a while. So I don't, I don't know. Kevin, but Kevin at, Owens at the same Sammy. time, like at the same time though, you know, you got that cook that you've had forever, and he does a damn good job in the back, and he's worked there forever, but he doesn't want to really move up past, you know, the, the, the management position of what he's doing in the kitchen. Um, he asked for a raise to be, you know, given to him. Do you give him the fucking raise, or do you get someone that could do his job just as fine coming in with barely any experience? <laughs> Good luck finding someone that's as good as Johnny Gurk. <laughs> but yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I think the writing is on the wall with with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for sure. Because they, oh, no yeah. they have no reason to stay other than, you know, Kevin was a former champion and they did kind of treat him well when Jericho was there. I don't know that that was necessarily a we love Kevin thing. Um all of Jericho's, or all of Jericho, all of Owen's, all of Steen's friends, besides from Sammy, who will be off of his contract and probably going somewhere else. I'm, I'm thinking we, we know where. They're, they're there. I mean, <laughs> the Young Bucks, Chris Jericho, Adam Cole, they're all over there. Like, why the yeah. fuck would Kevin Owens not go over there? I mean, there's, with, a good, with, there's a good chance Sammy might be there by the time his contract's done. 
well, I'm, with Sammy, he has, per, I mean, I would think that he would have personal reasons of wanting to leave that company with the way he's been treated uh, with the Saudi stuff and uh, some of the attacks that have been made to him personally. That's a good point. Like, and and that I think that will play a big part in whether he'd want to. And obviously, he's not been booked the best either. We could say that, but no. Uh, if if it was me and like <laughs> I'm getting abused by on Twitter by <laughs> the Saudi government, uh, I don't necessarily know that I would want to be <laughs> associated with said company anymore. It's gonna be interesting. And I just love that. I I don't know. I I have no clue. Do they have like that little bird, like with the weight on him that keeps on going back and forth? Like, is that the person like keeping up with contracts in WWE? Because this is a lot. You know, we we heard about Daniel Bryan that they apparently didn't know his ending until a little bit before that. Then we have the whole thing with Adam Cole. You know, Pete Dunne, they didn't realize, and now Sami Zayn and fucking Kevin Owens and Johnny Gargano. Like, who the hell is keeping... <sighs> they need to like, fire I know one guy, one guy got fired. One guy got fired for the uh, Adam Cole thing, I think. That's what I was going to say, is they need to fire their entire HR department and just start from scratch, apparently. If you can't keep up with the contracts of people that are on your weekly TV shows as big stars, then you're fucking up pretty hard. Could you imagine this happening? Could you imagine this happening in the NFL? Like everyone else is talking no. about the contract, but you forget. <laughs> You're like, oh damn, we didn't sign Tom Brady again. Shit. <laughs> like, I'm going to Tampa. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least they acknowledge they weren't gonna. You know what I'm saying? They acknowledge yeah. that, like, hey, we're just not gonna do this. But like WWE, it is like they almost forget until the last minute and they're like, oh, we got to write a storyline for Adam Cole, which I guess he came out and said that that wasn't what they pitched to him was the Keith Lee thing. Yeah. But that does mean that they pitched something else shitty to him because he definitely didn't sign that contract. I just, he was on Jericho. I definitely check out that interview. He was also on uh, Renee's podcast. Anyone out there wants to learn a little bit more about Adam Cole, why he decided. Let me just say, besides the management idea, that was definitely a reason. Um, there wasn't a lot of stuff that, like, Vince liked him, but he didn't have a lot for him. And then he sees Bobby Fish get fired. He's already seen how Karrion Cross and fucking... Uh, you know, um, Keith Lee get treated. Those are all red flags. And this three days before, no, no, it was four days. He said before he actually got the sign, you know, whether or not he was going to AEW and WWE, he didn't know. And one night he was up late, uh, you know, and Britt Baker was passed out. They're in their bed and he couldn't sleep at all. And he kind of went with his gut. And his gut was telling him, apparently, to go to AEW, and that's where he went. And think about the reception. You know, even though he's squeezed in there, Adam Cole is one hell of a fucking performer. And it's always been, Adam Cole, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan have come in AEW. Like, he's a part of that concept now, even though he's not a big enough name compared to the two of them. 
they've treated him like he's one of the top guys now. So I think he made a good choice. I agree. And maybe he's not a, as big of a mainstream name, but when he showed up in front of that loud audience, he was just as big of a star as any of the rest of them when he fucking debuted. Adam Cole, uh, baby. As far as their live crowd goes, and a lot of that is diehard wrestling fans, but it, it shows that WWE definitely missed out on Adam Cole and have missed out on him for a long time. And that I, I don't know why they're so obsessed with if Adam Cole is a big, thick boy or not. Well, Chris brought it up. He's like, you're the same exact size as your mentor, Shawn Michaels. Like. Yeah, yeah, Shawn's a little stupid. Well, Shawn in the 90s, Shawn in the 90s got he got a little bit of buff. He had a little bit of muscle onto him in like 96 to get more of more size to him. But when you talk about Shawn, when he was, I feel like doing the best stuff, stuff that I didn't get to see live at the time. In 2000s, he's the exact same size as Adam Cole, if not smaller. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just baffling. I don't I get mean, it. It's. I'm never gonna get it. I never mean, gonna get size, it. He's the same size as Prince Devitt, who is in the fucking main event tomorrow. So. I yeah. <laughs> that being said, Prince Devitt is ripped though. Oh, he is. But that yeah, you're shredded. right. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's get to AEW. Let's talk about this giant pay-per-view. So the people there, they were treated in New York at Ash Stadium. Is, is that the name of the stadium, Chris? It is Arthur Ash Stadium. Arthur Ash Stadium. Uh, it's a tennis stadium, right? Yes, and Billy, uh, God, I can't think of her. I'm not a big tennis person. She's a famous, famous female tennis player, like a, a trendsetter. And I, that sucks. Can't think of her name. Did she go against McEnroe? Billie Jean King. Um, it's it's co-named, but they were calling it Arthur Ashe. Uh, the picture I sent you of just the empty arena looked incredible. I can't imagine what it was like being there live, knowing that they sold over 19,000 tickets. I don't think they sold no, it out. Over, no, they sold over 20, and they added seats to it. So they, they, they sold insane. a ridiculous amount. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And people got to realize with, when it comes to the interactions, because, all right, think about Rampage. The audience were still into it, but just like every stadium, just like what WWE has done, when you have the top open, the sound goes up. So you don't hear it as loud and blatant over if you had a closed off, you know, arena. But they had over 20,000 people fucking loud as hell ready to go in new york city yeah not to not to take away from anything they did in chicago but this is the best crowd i've seen in wrestling in a long time they Dude, were the fact, hot for this first match well you know bully ray brought this up uh on busted open uh to dave lagreca and he was like does AEW really ever need to try to get um Daly's place or fucking uh, Madison Square Garden, or should they just be like, this is where we go with Arthur Ashe Stadium and just keep that as their New York? They were in WWE's backyard essentially, using a giant stadium as a show for their weekly fucking television show. Not even a pay per view, and they had over twenty thousand people there, Chris. 
Well, I mean, Tony Khan talked about that on that Wrestling Observer Live podcast he did a while back. He's like, I don't know why everyone looks over Arthur Ashe. It's a beautiful stadium. It's open air. You can get more fans in there than you can at Madison Square. Uh, Like, he really hyped it up as being like, this is our alternative. So I think maybe, yeah, that is the thing that they're going to do going forward. And I think people will appreciate that. It'd be really fun to see them run Madison Square Garden just because it would piss Vince off. (laughs) But outside of that, I mean, this, I thought the look and aesthetic of it, even the empty arena shot I sent you, which is up on Twitter on uh, AW site, if anyone wants to see what I'm talking about. But it looked incredible, sounded amazing. Uh, The production on this show was very, very good. Also, Uh, just everything about it. I I would just continue to run that venue instead of fucking around with any of the other places. I would say the same thing about the previous week at the uh, Prudential Center. Crowd was really loud there. New York loves New York and New Jersey loves themselves some AEW. Turns out, yeah, you don't own the territory anymore, Vince. You douchebag. No, but seriously, great show uh, and awesome matches. If I was there in attendance for this four-hour show, you definitely got your money work. Uh, money's worth, I should say, uh, within all of it. I just, to show any constructive criticism, I think this just goes up top. They were thinking about a four-hour, you know, um, event, and I don't think Tony, this didn't really, it didn't hurt them on Rampage, I don't think. I think the audience was still into it, and they were still going crazy, but if you if you start a four-hour event, and your first match is as big as the match they had at first with Kenny Omega and Daniel Bryan, I think that's fine. But you're forgetting that, you know, this is a two-hour television show, and I just feel just how big in concept, not even the match laying itself out and going to a 30-minute draw. I think that having that and then having CM Punk come out and cut that awesome fire promo the audience just seemed to, and as an audience member watching on television, kind of exhausted for the next couple of matches before they came back up. And I think that kind of hurt uh, the main event. Um, other than how awesome Malachi Black was and how awesome Sting was in his match, for Dynamite itself, I think that, that f- having that big first match kind of killed a lot of the, uh, I don't know, the energy if you will, for the rest of the show of Dynamite. I, I I think kind of the same thing, but if you did it as the main event, you would almost have to do it as the main event on Rampage and not Dynamite if you're going to close it out. So starting it out with that yep. match, I don't think was a problem. And I think their other worry is they were going to go to a time limit draw. And it's always hard to judge how a crowd is going to react to that. Usually it's very negative when you go to a time limit draw, but I think the match was so good it worked. I mean, I mean that's the one thing that a lot of people, that's probably why a lot of people like the second or third Okada versus Kenny match is because the first one went to a time limit draw, and I still debate that the first one was a better match. Um, but, you know, that's it's it's all opinionative. Uh, and I think that was maybe their worry is they knew they were going going to go to a time limit draw that's why they put it on first uh i do know that sting popped the hell out of this crowd 
Sting throws one punch and this crowd loses their fucking mind. He hits a body slam, they lose <laughs> their mind. They were so hyped for Sting. And I know the idea is to get Darby over, but like, damn, son. Something magical about Sting in the ring. Yeah, man. Sting. <laughs> he defies his age, man. He really did. He did an incredible job. Well, let's start off with the first match. We'll get to that one. Kenny Omega with Don Callis going against Brian Danielson. This match is awesome, but this was just showing what they can do. And I think when we give them a pay-per-view match between the two of them, when Brian Danielson starts racking up some wins and can make issue for being able to get another match against Kenny Omega, this is a good starting point. This was an awesome match. <laughs> I was about to say Daniel Bryan. It's going to be very hard for me not to do that. But Brian Danielson did such a good job selling, I legitimately thought that he was injured in a couple different spots in this. Um, I'm just going to say right now, I, and we've talked about this a million times, it doesn't matter if it's Seth or Kenny. Obviously, Seth has had a way worse track record with Finn Balor and Sting. I hate the buckle bomb. And the way that Daniel took it and how he kind of used it to leap over to the outside, ugh, did not look good. But some of the sequences they did, you know, with Kenny Omega about to put him in the one-wing angel, and then he gets the reverse Arana on him, uh, going all the way up. And thank God he did not do what Okada did and just fall on his fucking neck, but getting the dragon suplex off the top ropes from Kenny Omega. Awesome. Uh, outside. Where, you know, they were fighting back and forth and Kenny got the better of him and Brian Danielson is there just kind of bewildered from a dragon suplex off the floor. And then he does, you know, an ode to Great Muda going the top of the ramp all the way down with a V trigger. Just looked awesome. I mean, they beat the living hell out of each other and it looked like Brian Danielson was getting the better of him towards the end of it. But they ran out of time and then he got him finally in the LaBelle lock. But it was a awesome fucking match. I think we'll see more from this. Um, I'm sure if I got, you know, if, if I thought about it, I could think of more highlights because there was a lot. But I think this is just scratching the surface, Chris, on what these two guys can do together. That was the first thing I thought after watching the match. Besides, it was a phenomenal match. It was like both these guys held something back. Like, they're saving it. So the next match is going to be fucking even better. The running V-trigger down the ramp was incredible. Um, Brian, like you said, taking when he took that buckle bomb and kind of went outside the ring or whatever, he, I, I think Brian Alvarez said he thought he broke his wrist, but apparently he was just that good at selling his wrist because he's fucking Brian Danielson. Why not? Uh, that reverse... Hurricane Rana or Poison Rana, whatever you want to call it, out of the one wing angel. Kenny took this incredible fucking bump. Go back and watch it. He he puts basically his he lands his forearms down, but it looks like he gets his head completely spiked on the mat. And it's it was absolutely incredible. And that I mean, that's what Kenny Omega is. When he really turns it on, he really turns it on. And I want everyone to keep in mind this guy's still working with a torn labrum or whatever and supposed to have had surgery like three months ago uh, labia we talked about this oh yeah yeah sorry um 
incredible. What did you think about that poison Rana he took? You know what I'm talking about? Like one of the Bucks took one, but it he didn't uh, hit it as well at that pay per view. Kenny took this thing, and yeah. it looked like you got put like if you were driving a nail into a board <laughs> the way he took it. Uh, I also will say, besides how awesome that was, Chris, do you agree that um, it's almost like when they went over this match, Brian Danielson made it very much feel like a WWE-styled match that kind of all of a sudden go in more of a, a Ring of Honor-styled way uh, halfway into it. I just feel like it was very, very... I feel like, and this is nothing against Kenny. Kenny's great, and I've said this in the past. Because you can throw any style of wrestling off of him and he'll figure it the fuck out. I don't care what any of the haters say. I'm a huge fan of Jim Cornette. I will disagree for days when it comes to the opinion of Kenny Omega. I will agree with Dave Metzler. Besides having this huge buzz at the time, he's like Savage when it comes to, hey, we're going to do this style match or or this company style match. And he'll figure it out and be able to fucking go off that person no, no matter what, whoever it is. And Kenny has that. But I feel like Daniel Bryan kind of made it very WWE styled at beginning, like, you know, making it slow down and taking it down a notch and making it climb and then kind of throwing in the Ring of Honor stuff that both of them know. And then even going kind of in a New Japan direction towards the end. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, it it definitely, but that, I mean, that's the great thing about some of these cats coming from WWE is because they are very good at putting on big, 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 big produced matches with the correct crescendo, et cetera. Not that Kenny's not or anything. Like you said, he can work any style, but yeah, some of that. I got goosebumps when they locked up and the crowd popped off a lockup. (laughs) <laughs> they 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 started <laughs> chanting before they even fucking touched and when they had the lockup they lost it it's amazing lost their minds i haven't heard that in so long uh in a wrestling match that it, it was it was incredible i mean it was i i'm not gonna go as i, I think it was the best AEW televised match i'm not gonna say it's the best match AEW's had or it was the best match this year but the crowd that night in that building thought that was the best match they had ever seen. They lost their shit about everything. And I think that adds so much to it. And uh, yeah, it turns out the American dragon pretty fucking good in the ring. Who would have known? Mm. <laughs> Surprise. Well, one thing coming out of this non kind of separated, we've, we've already heard Will Ospreay kind of call out Kenny Omega and have some back and forth. But uh, apparently Zack Sabre Jr. on social media called out uh, Mr. Brian Danielson and started putting in the works at least. I don't know if it's just him, but the idea of the two of them having a match. Give me that all fucking day. I'd rather see that. And I'd love to see Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega. Don't get me wrong. But give me Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. right now in my mouth. Yeah, it's going to it's going to have to happen in the United States if they're going to do it anytime soon. Otherwise, I think that we'll be waiting until COVID comes down in Japan. If it doesn't happen until like, I don't know, next year's G1 tournament, I'm fine with that. But if I can get that match in the future, those are two of the best technical wrestlers on the planet. Period. I like uh, my uncle was texting me because he, he him and 
my nieces, they just got back into wrestling. And, and we've talked about my nieces on the show before and their love for Darby Allen. And he was like, this match is incredible. And I don't know that I've heard fans lose their shit like this <laughs> for just dude, my boss that I got into wrestling, my boss, Mason, that I got into wrestling that didn't really have that much of a love for it. Love boxing. Even wasn't that big of a UFC fan, but he, I got him to start watching it. I think during the pandemic, cause there was no sports on and he watched it a little bit beforehand with the crowds, but after that match, he goes, wow, that was fucking amazing, is what he texts me. And this is a sports fan, you know what I'm saying? So it was, uh, yeah. Wait, I, and I, I just told him the next day, I was like, wait until they have a pay-per-view match. Because they will destroy each other just to prove to the audience that they can have a good match. Yeah, so immediately after I sent him that uh, PWG match with a John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, <laughs> I was like, I've been waiting years to see this again. <laughs> Uh, for the fans out there that if you guys want to see a funny match they did do that if you want to see a pretty damn good three-way match i'd love to see again but probably not going to happen tyler black kenny omega brian danielson ring of honor uh they kicked the shit out of each other and at some point kenny omega became a super saiyan so these early kenny matches we're talking about is not the same Kenny Omega that we have now. No. <laughs> Actually, honestly, besides Brian Danielson, I Tyler Black became way better uh, to me post. I don't know what the hell he's doing for a gimmick right now, but uh, whatever. You know, he's king of drip, right? Did you see the preview for that Austin thing and his top five wrestlers with drip? <laughs> no, but that sounds amazing. Well, his number one, who do you think it was? Who, who, what wrestler has the best drip in professional wrestling history? 1999, The Rock with the Gucci shirt. Well, The Rock was on there, but it was actually Macho Man Randy Savage, like the 90s version, with all the weird shit he would wear. Um, I, I guess I have a different definition of drip than the kids have. Rock uh, was on there. Undertaker was on there. Um... He had some good ones. I can't remember all of them, but yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage definitely was uh was Mr. Number One. And knowing knowing the weird what what drip is apparently and all the weird shit that he fucking wears makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Well, I, mean, yeah. I mean Bray from the Wyatt family should have been on there. Original Bray hey. with the Hawaiian shirt and the tan fedora. <laughs> hey man, you know, that's this it's crazy, man. You know, just wearing that shit. No, that's cool as Macho, man. I, I love Macho, so it's fine. I get what they're saying, but, I mean, how is number one not rock with a Versace? That's number one. That's the king of drip. Because drip is, like, ridiculous, stupid colors. It's like they're trying to bring the 80s back and make it fashionable to, the, to tuxedos or some shit. Fucking... Wasn't that, like, the Versace shirts the rock was wearing? <laughs> <laughs> like during that time period when he starts to turn on nation and domination those shirts were yeah. fucking ridiculous Ugh. the more i watch rock the like from that era specifically the more i'm like mjf and him have a lot in common from that specific time period and they're around the same age weird um, Speaking of MJF, we forgot to mention this in the news, but he told his mom to go fuck herself, which is pretty funny. <laughs> well, his parents were 
anti-MJF shit. Well, like, what did she have? Like, we hate him too on the sign, and the dad had, like, a fuck MJF shirt. I mean, that's so great. Hey, did you watch that video? I don't know. I think that maybe you probably skipped it because it would destroy the mystique, but it was, like, from five years ago that I sent you with him, Ricky Stark, and Ethan Page. Just, I'm assuming they were just touring the indies, and it's, like, him out of character. Fucking yeah, I, weird. I saw part of it. And also the same thing. Do you remember when him and Cody were friends and they used to do those? And they should do this still. I don't know why they stopped doing it. When they would do those like vignettes of like why Cody signed a certain person or whatever. And it was this really heartfelt story by MJF about how like he was always underestimated and made fun of because he was Jewish. And he became like one of the best football players in his high school and they built all that up. That's completely opposite of today's MJF. <laughs> God, he is a god when it comes to just being a heel. But we're about to get there. We're still doing Dynamite. Let's get through the CM Punk promo. Thought it was awesome. Um, honestly, coming off of this, I really think that CM Punk coming out and kind of, he didn't turn heel or anything like that, but just intensity you know, even acknowledging like the fans want the old CM Punk and just saying, be careful what you wish for and just really getting down to people like me who's kind of partially criticized. Like, when are we going to get past the like, oh, I'm happy to be here, Punk? He went after that and he basically said, Taz, your group, I'm going to take out that frustration on. And I thought he did a great job. He even acknowledged like, wow, I'm glad I'm not wrestling anytime soon on this bill. Because that's hard to, you know, that's 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 hard to go on after. And I thought he did a great job. But I think that, like I said, I think there was a lull after this whole promo, Chris. But I thought it was a great promo from him. I kind of thought this was an average promo. I did like that he addressed the fact that the, the crowds want pissed off anti-authority punk. And that's not really where he's at right now. Um, and I, I do like that he acknowledged that no one should have to go on after that Kenny Omega, <laughs> Brian Danielson match. There were some good lines in this promo. It kind of just went a little long for me and definitely not the best punk promo I've seen. Um, but I, I mean, it was, it was good. I mean, this is a company that has so many great fucking promos on it that I'm not just immediately going to say that this was a, a great, I mean, you got Eddie fucking Kingston and. John Moxley cutting promos every other week. Now Adam Cole. So, honestly, do we say this because of the fact that obviously most is scripted, even though a lot of them like Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns and uh, Randy, like they do a good job with it, but there's no comparison. The best promos have to go to AEW. I mean, maybe with the exception of Paul Heyman. Yeah, I mean, you're going against what? MJF, Adam Cole, Eddie Kingston, fucking Britt Baker. Like, some of these guys are monsters. And then the legends are also there. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Owens is a good promo because they kind of let him do, within reason, what he wants. There's a few people there. Seth Rollins is a good promo because they, 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 there's certain guys they will let go kind of outside of the box. A little bit, and that's the best. Orton and Edge WWE. have been doing some of their best promos in a long time, both of those guys. But you have Randy Orton who started zoning in on promos and trying to get better specifically at that, and Edge 
who was an actor and doing fucking television roles for Vikings and already was at one of the best promos in the game before that. I've said this on the show before, but the past two years of Randy Orton has been my favorite <laughs> Randy Orton. Because I was not a big Randy Orton fan, but I've kind of, I think I've kind of turned the corner on him. Uh, well, and the fact that he's able to do everything he was able to do physically and added on a layer of giving a fuck about his character, I think has definitely helped him out a lot. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, they'll do. They, I mean, WWE, if you're listening, you should do this. Have uh, <laughs> have him come out to his old theme song, or have uh, <laughs> Matt Riddle come out to the ring with the old theme song. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say it. And I know a lot of people don't agree. I've been watching. Um, I'll I'll put it on and watch it at the end of the night and kind of pass out to it. But I've been watching Raw during a time period where I stopped watching. So, you know, focusing in on Raw and SmackDown from 2005-ish to 2000-whatever. I've just been going. I'm on 2008 right now. The theme music for Randy Orton, his old stuff is better than his new one. Sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I, it it's better because it's not directly tied to something that Michael Cole can yell over and over and over again. And I just up. like the cockiness of it. Like, hey, <laughs> nothing you can say. Nothing you can... Like, and he doesn't give a fuck. He just comes out and just, you know, does that pose. Like, <laughs> like him on... I actually, like, watching Randy Orton go against whoever he went on the ECW, um, their first pay-per-view back. I can't remember the name of it. And just like how he, like the audience was like, fuck you. And he's like, what the hell? What is wrong with you people? I love that shit. Ugh. Yeah. I, he's came out and said that he, that theme song, and that's why he changed it up. Um, but that is why it would be very funny if Matt Riddle, like, called him out to the ring and the wrong fucking music play. <laughs> oh, God. I'd love that. That would be Riddle, so good. Riddle's like, or if I Riddle love comes song. out to it. Yeah, Dude, I, I love, love that song yeah. so much more, man. You know, you hear voices in your head, dude, but fuck that, you know? <laughs> Riddle yeah. hears voices in his head all the time, but it's from being at an elevated state of mind. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, state of mind. All right, MJF with Wardlow in this corner going against um, uh, Brian Pillman. I think... I thought this was a good match. I thought that MJF had the audience still into him. And then I kind of thought they they got a bit bored. I hope that this kind of shows a future. I definitely think it showed a future for Brian Pillman to be a singles wrestler and to build himself. But a future towards a feud that will be much more long-lasting later on, you know, say a year from now. But I think that he lost, and this is something that MJF should pivot and kind of going a different direction, I would say. And I want to see CM Punk after he takes out uh, Ricky Starks go against MJF. I think that's a feud we need. I think we can see that version of Punk against a heel version of MJF like that, and it will still be acceptable going back and forth. And I think that uh, CM Punk, which it seems, no offense to uh, Mr. Y2J, uh, wants to elevate talents and would even put over mjf in that scenario so that's what i'm going for i thought this was a good match though i just think that pillman specifically and my brother said the exact same thing that 
you know, watched he watched the uh, documentary recently with with Brian Pillman. He's been watching a lot of the Dark Side of the Ring, and I showed him some. He's like, "What's what's uh, Brian Pillman Jr. doing in AEW?" And I showed him the promo stuff, and he loved the interaction. But he called it out. Brian Pillman's worst thing is punches. He needs to get better at his punches. They don't look believable. He looks like he's just fucking doing whatever. But that's he can get better at that. A lot of the other stuff he's got. And I love how the end of it had him doing the flying clothesline like his dad, getting put right directly in the salt of earth armbar for the win for Mr. MJF. But let's get past this. Let's get Punk past what he's got to do against Taz's crew. And I want to see the two of them in a program long lasting for a little while. But I do want to see this pick back up in the future with him and Brian Pillman. What do you think, Chris? I think the best thing that Brian Pillman Jr. could do is convince Hangman Adam Page to be his mentor. <sighs> and kind of, not not necessarily on storyline, but he should be picking that brain of all time. They're about the same size. They kind of wrestle similar, but Hangman, his intensity and the way he's able to move around the ring and hit the big spot when big spots needed, um... I think would help Brian Pillman Jr. a lot. I would also immediately remove him away from the varsity blondes and this cheerleader manager crap. I, I think that my uncle hates them. He thinks they're the worst thing in AEW just because he hates <laughs> the the concept of the varsity blondes in general. Dude, which it reminds me of. Uh, it reminds me of uh, well, not even him in the varsity blondes, but him and even Julia Hart when they came out. I was like, why does this remind me of Ace with? Um, What's her name on heels? Like, <laughs> it's kind of irritating a little bit. Yeah, shout out to Stephen Amell, who CM Punk gave a big hug to. We forgot to Big old that. kiss, actually. Big old that was kiss cute. right on the lips, like Jim Cornette would do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of great minds there. I think he's going to get better in the ring. For his style, I think he should get with Adam Page and be like, hey, man. Like, got any notes? Got, got some stuff I could do. This was a good match. I mean, there was some, he had a couple little botched spots here and there. Uh, MJF is solid, but MJF just works very old school. He doesn't have to do that much, honestly. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want to say like Harley Race, but it, it kind of is that with MJF. He's just basically there to take spots from other people at this point. And then, you know, be a dastardly heel. But once in a while, he's like, oh, I can do a springboard moonsault to the outside. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, so he's, I mean, it's, it's a very similar concept to a Randy Orton, if you will. It's like, I could do that, but why the fuck would I risk getting injured? Nah, I think I'm going to do this instead. Well, yeah, like, I guess to, to harken back to the punches that you're talking about, Arn Anderson should just ha- hold a fucking... <laughs> training class all right come over here you fu- all right get this is how you punch damn it if you can't do it right just well him in the head that's what terry funk would say <laughs> or even christian man christian's got a great fucking punch even when he's in the like corner and he's doing like the one two three and he starts doing both sides everything looks like it's connecting and making damage and I then forgot. you go I've forgotten how good Christian is on the mic responding to people. He's like the Eminem of promos. Every time someone says something to Christian, it's like, why? 
why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, he's been great to watch. But yeah, yeah, I, I, there's something with Brian Pillman Jr. I think you need to get him away from the varsity blondes. And uh, the, if you want to have him have a manager, I don't think that she needs to be a cheerleader. I think it kind of demeans the character itself and, and what he is going for. I know that they wanted to try to pay homage to uh, God, uh, Brian Pillman and Austin is what they were going for. But that was a heel tag team. So if the Varsity Blondes were a heel tag team, that'd make a lot more sense. But, you know, it's that part of it's not clicking, and I could see why my uncle would immediately hate it and maybe some other fans. But Brian Pillman Jr., there's a lot there. Uh, I think there's a lot you can do. He's good on the mic. He can cut a promo. Yeah, he's definitely good on the mic. Bills from that and maybe get rid of some of the extracurricular activity. And maybe they are. Maybe they are going to have him snap. Well, obviously, he's got the wrestling background, um, you know, from high school. And he's good at the high flying aspect. He's got that's I, I feel like he's projected more, at least training wise. He got trained from Lance Storm. So he knows grappling and he knows high flying maneuvers like Lucha Libre based shit. But and he's good at promos. He really is. He's got that gift that his dad had, but his dad took it in a fucking ridiculous direction. You know, it's but when it comes to punching and some other combat styled stuff. He needs someone to take him to his, like, you know, hey, this is how we, you do a fucking a punch. Like, I don't, I don't expect Pillman to be, like, Funk and fucking Lawler, but someone's going to help him out. Eddie Kingston's got a great punch. We talked about Christian, Arn Anderson. There's plenty of people there that know how to lay it in without actually laying it in, you know? Yeah. Hey, fucking Kingston just channels his inner Terry Funk every time he throws a punch, which is like one of my favorite things about him. Yeah. He's definitely uh, watched that. Uh, oh, man. I love Eddie Kingston so much. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I, I if I had one person that should be his mentor, and if Hangman Adam Page happens to listen to this, take this boy under your wing. And make him a, a superstar because I, I could, their styles are kind of similar. And I think Hangman would be able to give him just a little bit of that edge. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, Hangman Adam Page five years ago and Brian Pillman now, they're very similar. Yeah, I could see that. All right. Well, we had Mr. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager in the back. And they were, you know, not happy about Dan Lambert and the men of the year. Hager said, men of the year, more like boys of the week. And then Jericho positioned the concept of. <laughs> and then Jericho positioned the concept. I thought, <laughs> I thought we were over letting Jake Hager talk. <laughs> Damn it. Every time he talks. What did I compare it to? It reminded me of that South Park episode where uh, Cartman is the hall monitor and becomes like uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. And yeah. he has like the big dumb guy, and he's like, "He gonna learn from the dog," <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's Jake Hager. <laughs> Every fucking time he talks, it's like it's like Chris Jericho's like really really good stuff that everyone will like. Jake Hager, yeah, duh. <laughs> it was. Um... <laughs> When they're cut, when they were cutting that inner circle promo, it's like, 
you know, Jericho cuts a good promo. They give it Santana, to Santana, Ortiz, Sammy Guevara. <laughs> and then Hager comes out. He's like, I like cheese! <laughs> it's like, look, man, he's a good wrestler. I like I like Jake Hager. He's fine. He's never known as a good promo, even in WWE. I mean, they did put him with fucking Dutch Mantel so that he could have to talk. Hey, Dutch, you could do everything and sound kind of racist. Go. Uh, Don't let him talk at all. Uh, yeah, just do whatever, Dutch. <laughs> just don't let Jake talk. I'm going to punch you in your mom. It was just... <laughs> and then, like, Jericho kind of looks at him like, the fuck is he on about? And then goes back into his promo. <laughs> More like boys of the week. Oh God, oh, <laughs> that killed me. <laughs> He's just throwing dad jokes for his promos. If he could make, if he could make that a gimmick where he always says something super lame every time he gets the mic, then it would be good. But it, I don't think that he. Did. He doesn't have to tell him to do that. I don't think. I don't think he meant to do it. <laughs> it's just like, dude, when when Chris Jericho was like. Yeah, he had two MMA fights, and it's like, come on, man. Like, one of them was like a no contest, and you have Masvidal, Dos Santos, <laughs> Hunter Arlovsky, Paige Van Zant. Like, these are champions. Like, come on. Like, I, no offense to Jake Hager, but, like, you can't be like, oh, he's on the same playing field, and I'm Chris Jericho. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I I have no idea. And then he was like, we're the best tag team going. I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. You're not the best tag team going out of your group. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Once again, uh Well, (laughs) we'll get back to that. I don't know if it's karma, but it just seemed to uh, definitely explode in Jericho and Hager's face. So it doesn't matter. He gonna get the dog. God damn it. Anyways, let's go to the next match. <laughs> Malachi Black, Cody Rhodes. All right, so I will help anyone that doesn't know this. I think there's a reason why Cody came out as Homelander from the boys. No, he wasn't Captain America. Um, that was definitely Homelander's look. Homelander in the boys projects himself to the audience or, or, or to the world, if you will, in his world. Like he's Superman, like he's this goody-goody, gumdrops, G-Willikers, fucking Boy Scout. Like Superman is, basically. Except for he's not. He's actually an evil piece of shit that's very manipulative and wants to basically have everything about him and will kill everyone to get what he wants. So this is the costume Cody's wearing to the ring. Keep that in mind. They made the right decision. With all of this, I really feel bad for Arn that he had to take a bump that he wasn't intending on doing right before doing it on purpose two seconds later. But other than that, I actually like the match. Actually, never mind. Scratch that. When fucking Malachi did the uh, fake out and did his normal thing where he, you know, springboards off the ropes and gets in his position and Brandy came in and flicked him off, I was like, can't she, like, work on the fucking AEW Heels account or some shit, like, right now? Like, god damn it. But other than that, you know, um, I, I really liked 
Malachi Black. I, I love the miss at the end. I mean, for someone that studied under, you know, Undertaker, probably from comparisons, because a lot of fans like myself kind of did that. But when he went to the main roster, really kind of went underneath his wing. And we've already talked about in the past how Taker wanted to put him over because what was supposed to happen before the pandemic, Taker saved him from AJ Styles. He gets a win from AJ Styles. AJ takes that on Taker. And then he comes out at the end and helps out Taker winning at WrestleMania, you know, a little nod, nod skis. So we had that relationship. Now we hear that he is kind of under the wing of Jake Roberts since he's supposed to be a heel, which is not really working out for him. Um, only because he's going against Cody, which people are booing the fuck out of. I mean, booing. And I think it's apparent. I think Cody knows. I think that's why he wore that costume. I think that's why he started turning heel, even, you know, pushing the referee at some point for being frustrated. Or no, no, he like face palmed him and pushed him. Like, you know, it's it makes sense. But I love the outfit. I love the mist at the end. What I was trying to say is that you can say that maybe psychology wise for being this dark character positioned at a baby face. He kind of talks to Taker for it positioned as a heel. He gets insight from Jake Roberts and kind of picks his brain. But stylistically, he's a kickboxer and he grew up with New Japan in uh, all Japan and was obsessed and also FMW was obsessed with Hayabusa, uh, Jushin Liger and the great Muda. So I love the mist at the end. I thought it was great. And he got the roll up one. And maybe they'll have another match. Maybe Cody can convince him. But I think that Malachi should win that too. Unless they completely, you know, make Cody heal for that reasoning. But even so, they can just try to do like a Brett Austin thing where going into their next match is very apparent. And then they do, you know, out of it, Malachi Black becomes a baby face and Cody becomes a heel. Because I don't see a point... People like fucking Malachi Black, even if Rosario Dawson attacks him from the fucking audience. God damn it. Um, but the House of Black, he's already positioned that as like the people that like him. Cody, he's getting that reaction. It just makes sense. Do the double turn. And I liked how they positioned this match. Other than Arn, like I said, taking that bump twice because he slipped in the first one. Uh, I thought this was exactly what needed to happen. Yeah, the Arn slip was so weird. And then, like, Cody checking on him and Arn just no-selling it. Like, Get the fuck back in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, like, was like, what are you doing? Get inside the ring. Like, God damn it, I love Arn Anderson. You knew they were going straight to the finish after that. It, whatever was planned for that finish became, I mean, I they still got where they were going to go, but I thought there was going to be a little bit more there. Uh, the fans in this building, not big Cody fans. <laughs> Uh, 20,000 booing at your ass. Uh, but not big Cody fans. Um, also, this evil Knievel ring gear Cody had with his cape, like Spawn. What the hell is this? Right. Look, Cody did this to himself. He was the most over baby face in all of wrestling and then decided to go film a bunch of TV shows um, and then lose a bunch of matches. And now you got to turn him heel. I think you're 100% right on that. Malachi, I don't think it matters. I mean, you could all you could turn him babyface, but he's already a babyface in the eyes of the crowd anyway, so it doesn't... I, I don't know. They could do whatever with him. But Cody, uh, they have turned against this man. 
<laughs> Which makes me think he's got a pop. family. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, the pop was more for Rosario Dawson than Cody. <laughs> The other. <laughs> Here's the question on that. All right, Love I'm it. just gonna um, just say, um, if you are usually in gorilla position or whatever they call it, I forgot dusty position. I think is what they call it. Uh, as a producer, why the fuck are you w- running through the audience? Like, where the, did that even make any sense? I mean, he's shown us that that's where he normally is if he's not having a match. So Rosario Dawson just jumps on his back and Brody's. Cody's coming through the audience. I'm just sick of it. Like I said, he was dressed as Homelander from the boys, who's actually a bad guy, who presents himself as a good guy. So there's a reason for this type of shit. Yeah, the reason is Cody should not be allowed to book his own character anymore at this point. Uh, Because one, he retired in the center of the ring and left his boot. And two, the past like four weeks they've said that cody is injured and sitting at home or whatever the hell they were talking about and like you said he if he's coming from gorilla position why did he come up come out through the crowd um i don't know what they're doing with the guy and three he tried to make an america versus uk style storyline go on with no reasoning at all revolutionary war style (laughs) <laughs> we're still pissed Boston Tea Party motherfuckers like what I where yeah. the fuck has Anthony Agogo been since then he got a fucking spot on one of the big pay-per-views and now he's a go-go gone <laughs> what didn't they do something at the pay-per-view like a run-in or something with I don't know uh, oh yeah no they got the shit kicked out of them by a uh, big show that's what happened Show was chopping boys pretty hard. Big ass hand. I will say, I will give QT this. He sold the hell out of those chops. <laughs> That's the last I, I remember seeing that. I mean, is it really selling if it hurts like fuck? Like, if you get a chop from, from Walter or Kenny Omega or Minoru Suzuki, does it, does it suck? You know, are you selling or are you like, God damn, motherfucker? Like, what the fuck? I just like assumed how, the big show was laying it in pretty light because it wasn't that loud. It wasn't like <laughs> it, it wasn't like the, it wasn't like when Kenny and uh, <laughs> Brian Remember the were big slow? each other. The big slow, yeah. It's the <laughs> big slow. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> oh, I've had the giggles. The Rock. <laughs> I love them. Uh, all right. So, do you uh, like pie? <laughs> do you like poontang pie? Uh, Michael all right, Cole, I, Michael Cole, I bet you like strudel. <laughs> they could get away with a lot of shit back then that they would never today. Let me just uh-huh. say that. Everyone loves Dwayne. Jo- I I can't wait until people realize The Rock and that Dwayne Johnson came from this weird, just terrible homophobic evil character from from wrestling and start bringing that up yeah Uh, him making uh lillian garcia feel uncomfortable (laughs) while wooed at the same time uh yeah next on the list let's cancel the rock (laughs) it's eventual we'll just wait for twitter to make up their minds on it and figure it out 
Figure it out. <laughs> oh, Fucking it. ten ply buds. Uh, ten ply. <laughs> Jesus. Sting and Darby Allen went against FTR. And I don't know if this is it. It sucks that FTR got I think they need a win basically. I think that they need to get some stacked wins. But if you're gonna fucking lose, and I'm sure neither one of these guys did, having Sting be that person, I thought Sting looked awesome in this. And he honestly was in the ring, I think, more than Darby Allen. But I love that when he got the uh, you know, the win over Scott Dawson with the Scorpion Death Block, even though I mean you have talked about this, Chris. I was happy he was able to get he basically was just sitting on fucking Scott Dawson. He his knees are fucked. He's really having a lot of problems with that Scorpion Death Drop. Or the death lock, I should say. Either he's like standing up basically and he can't get down, or if he does get down, he falls on his ass or on the other person. So it still was a cool visual because Darby did, you know, um, Cash Wheeler was about to get inside, slide in, try to break up the count uh, or break up the submission, I should say. Darby Allen does the coffin drop on the apron, nails him, which looked fucking just terrible for both of them in actuality, but. Sting got the win. Everyone went crazy. Sting was awesome throughout the whole entire match. I mean, he really is performing. He's definitely giving us a better version of himself than he did in WWE, but he's performing like he's not 60 fucking two, which is impressive regardless. Yeah, he's out here performing like he's 52. Uh, <laughs> nah, Sting was Sting was fucking great in this match. And like I said, he didn't. Sting doesn't have to do that much because you heard the crowd reaction. He hit two body slams, and they lost their shit. And when he hits that cross body at the end, it it looked terrible, but it's Sting, so you're like, fuck yeah! It got a bigger pop than Darby hitting a coffin drop onto the apron, <laughs> which is that's kind of the problem with having those two together at this point. Uh, as far as the scorpion, I mean, he just he can just sit in and lock that thing on. I don't think anyone cares, honestly. I mean, Sting's not going to be going for any titles or anything. So however he locks it in, he locks it in. Is Sting like Mick Jagger or Paul McCartney, where it's like, dude, you're fucking this old and you're fucking doing it still? Fucking fuck yeah, bro. Just do yeah. it. I, I mean, like, uh, once again, my uncle, not to bring this back up, he was like, man, Sting looks too old to be in there. And I was like, way fuck out of here. You look great. You should watch that Jerry Lawler uh, Scott Steiner match from earlier in the week. Jesus Christ, crazy assholes! Uh, that was a very, very, very bad. I match. heard. I heard Jerry Lawler's trying to get fucking Terry Funk to do another match with him. It's like, will you leave him alone? Leave Come on. Alone. I'm and just also, gonna hang out here. Terry would do it. That's the that's the problem. I'll I'll fuck you up, Jerry Lawler. It, it would be. Son I mean, it would still bitch. be a better match than the one he just had with Steiner. So, <laughs> was it that, terrible? It was terrible. But hey, there's some good <laughs> fucking working punches in that match between Steiner and that's. I mean, ninety percent of the matches is them just punching each other. So, uh, if you want to see good working punches, wait. Was it was uh, it good working punches or did Jerry Lawler probably? Start hitting him too hard, and then fucking Scott Steiner started hitting him in the head. No, this is like the lightest worked match ever. It's like if me and you spent a week in wrestling school and then decided to do a match against each other, you you have to watch it. I mean, it's just like headlock, rest hold, punch, like, punch, punch, interference, punch, like a clothesline. 
<laughs> a body slam. We like could I, recreate I, this match. <laughs> I'm sure we could, and uh, no, that makes sense. And I, and yeah, I, I I'm just basing it off of like Bret Hart talking about Jerry Lawler. He goes, "Oh, I love fighting with Jerry Lawler," but you know, Bret was known for his really good working punches that barely touched anyone, and so was Jerry. But he would say that, like, you know, when they went at it, especially in WWE when they when they first brought Jerry Lawler in, um, he's like, if you got snug, man, I started fucking getting more snug. So basically they would end up at the end of the matches really fucking hitting each other in the face because, you know, Brett would take it up a level based on Jerry hitting him. And Jerry was known for, uh, you know, sometimes, especially with Terry, if he felt the other person being a, a little snug with his shots. But he was one of the best punchers in wrestling, period. Um, when it came to snug or just working, if you will. Yes. Good shit. But, uh, the match is bad. Don't watch it, but I'm not going to watch it. Actually. I don't know why Jerry Lawler's still fucking (laughs) wrestling. I love Jerry, but it's time to, it's time to put up the boots. The internet exploded on this, talking about it being one of the worst matches of all time, which I don't think it is at all. Wasn't Um, he supposed to retire after the match with him and Kevin Steen before he even fucking... Went to NXT. Like, why the yeah. fuck is he still I mean, wrestling? I, w- I, I would just battle say, the pile drivers. If if anyone does watch this match, just keep in mind that both these guys almost died of a heart attack not that long ago. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that. <laughs> both so, of them have. And they were also trying to get over their. There was two managers in the match. I can't remember who Steiner's manager was, but Jimmy Hart was there, and it was a bunch of. It's supposed to be a nostalgia match. It's 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 like eight minutes of rest holds and punches and a bunch of interference, but it's it is what it is. Just it's not as bad as that ledges of pay per view from back in the day where Jake Roberts and Yokozuna both were terrible. Like ninety nine, do you remember that? No. It was it was it, after? it was a it was a VHS going around and it was like an indie show and um Jake was on it, Yokozuna was on it, and they were both like there was a bunch of people I can't think of now, but like all of them were like out of shape, terrible matches, and it was like the last match Yokozuna had live. It's like like reminiscent of the shoot battle royal where they realized the Iron Sheet couldn't get thrown over the top rope. So he oh had my to god! Win. I wish I wish Jim <laughs> Cornette would have won that. That would have been great. Uh, yeah, we fucking went way off the rails. But yeah, like guys, if you do watch that match and say, "Hey, that's a bad match," just remember that Jerry, one Jerry Lawler is like 175 years old, and also Scott Steiner almost died of a heart attack earlier this year. So. God damn, how how the fuck Jerry Lawler is old as hell because he was popular in the goddamn 70s in Tennessee. I think he's he's got to be in it. He's older than Sting. He's got to be close to Ric Flair's age, I would think. Let's find without, out. Without looking it up, but I mean, like, damn, he was wrestling in the late 60s. 71 years old. Yeah, so he's like three years younger than Ric Flair. So, you know, keep that in mind. And, and also it was like a fan fest thing. The people that were there in the building seemed like they had a good time. Unfortunately, it got posted to the internet. You know, now yeah, that's going to be, I will say sting was much better <laughs> that, that, to bring it back around. <laughs> sting was much better in this match than either of those two in that match. And uh, I really love, was a dash that did the undertaker nod. 
because we never got Sting versus Undertaker when he went for the tombstone. That was pretty cool. Thought that was a cool moment. Yep. No, I agree. But, uh, yeah. Good shit. Good, good shit. All right, getting back on track. Uh, We had a match with Britt Baker, DMD going against Ruby Soho. Um, I thought this was a good match for the AW Women's World Championship. And, I mean, I kind of expected it anyways, but I like how it worked itself out with they literally did everything to each other that they possibly could. And then finally she got the uh, lockjaw on her and retained her uh, championship. But I thought these ladies had uh, excellent chemistry. I'm glad Ruby Soho is here. Because she's an awesome in-ring wrestler, and she has one hell of personality. I love all the stuff, uh, you know, kind of building up to this when they were calling each other out. You know, I thought, kind of similar to how I felt about Charlotte and Alexa Bliss on Raw, I thought they had a great interaction and and an exchange of words where, you know, she said basically that Britt Baker was just banging someone in in the back, and that's how she's gained her popularity of basically – Riding on Adam Cole's coattails, what she was going for, which is obviously bullshit. But she came back with it really quickly and was like, you know, you call yourself a runaway. You didn't run away from anything. You got fired from the last promotion you were at. So I thought they built it up. The match was fine. I thought the audience was killed by this moment. Like, it just got to the point where they were tired, but they still were in it. I just, you know, like I said, I think that. After having that first match and then a couple other things, especially right before this, you have Sting out there. I think it definitely hindered the excitement, if you will, for this match. But both ladies killed it. And Britt Baker won with the lockjaw. What would you think, Chris? I thought it was a really good match. It kind of ended how I thought it would end with two people throwing off Ruby. So maybe it sets up a cage match in the future, I guess, or something something of that nature. Um, but yeah, I thought Ruby looked really good here considering it's what her second match back. She hasn't wrestled in like six months outside of that battle Royal in here. thought, thought it was really good. And I think the commentary did a great job of letting people know this. Like Ruby is the reason that Burt Baker is a wrestler is one of her mentors. And one of the reasons that Burt Baker wanted to become a wrestler thought that was really really cool they should tie some more stuff in that it, that's reminiscent of uh what they did with emmy sakura and um is it cheetah rio rio that's what that's what it is yeah they, that that kind of storyline is always interesting and, and fun to build on and uh they're so different ruby riot though look great for god i'm trying to think of matches outside of that battle royal i've seen her in I mean, they briefly brought back the Riot Squad six or seven months ago, but that wasn't was kind of just there. <laughs> her, her best, I mean, honestly, they had some cool stuff, and she had a pretty cool match against, um, and it's only because she requested to work with her, and they weren't going to actually have the match, and she demanded it, but was uh, Ronda Rousey really wanted to work with Ruby and loved her. As a professional wrestler. By the way, I love that Ronda Rousey is just pregnant as hell and putting over this match and also just on Twitter actively putting over the NWA women's fucking, uh, you know, whole entire wrestling event for the ladies before that Mickey James put in. I can't remember. Empowered. Um, just tweeting nonstop and stuff like that. 
she really does love wrestling and fans can say what they want about her. But Ruby was on, um, I think Jericho's podcast last week and just said that she requested to work with her and they didn't want to put it on some pay-per-view and she kind of fucking put her foot down and they ended up giving it to her, uh, I think the next Monday and they gave her a small amount of time for her to crush her. And she basically was like, no, that's not going to work and, uh, helped her out. But besides that, the only thing I can think of is like her matches in NXT, obviously. You know, Ruby Riot against uh, Asuka, Ruby Riot against fucking um, Nikki Cross. And then I think they had that three way hardcore match, if I'm remembering correctly. That was pretty awesome. But she's a damn good in ring wrestler. And I'm glad that she's able to tap into her, just herself. And she's doing a good job. When, when you have promos against Britt Baker, who. At least in that department, she takes up real, real good. Not saying that she's not a good wrestler, but naturally she's good as a heel uh, uh, person, personality, if you will. And I think Ruby was able to keep up with her and just being herself. And she's an awesome in-ring wrestler. She's definitely more polished. Jimmy Hader is also great. So I'm looking forward to see whatever the hell happens with this group. in the very near future. But uh, yeah, man, Ruby Riot is great. Come out, or Ruby, Ruby Soho, I guess. Uh, the building fucking popped for that, for sure. And that, the music hit. But I think that's going to be everywhere. Rancid's pretty good. Out Comes the Wolves. It's one of the best albums start to finish you could ever listen to. It's just super solid. Every, every track on that album's great. I just love that she's best friends with Lars. And, you know, she was uh, talking about it. Lars from fucking Rancid, huge pro wrestling fan. And he, her even talking about it with Chris Jericho. Um, basically, Chris was like, yeah, dude, I've, I've been friends with Lars for a long time being in music. But also, he fucking reached out to me with this VHS, now, you know, when we first, you know, started hanging out, talking to each other. Of like random matches of me in Mexico and Japan, and I was like, "Dude, where the fuck did you get this? And who the hell has VHSs anymore?" But it was like that's the type of relationship they have. But apparently, uh, he's a huge pro wrestling fan. And when Ruby was making her transition, he suggested that she he calls her, you know, Ruby Soho to keep the Ruby name, um, and was like, "Yeah, we'll just give you the fucking music for it." And so Tony didn't even have to buy that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's awesome because he it was like his idea, right? Even to do their her video she put on Twitter and stuff. That was Twitter. like, oh, yep. It'll be cool yep. to see Ranted play live for her. <laughs> to come that, out to we, the ring we definitely need point. that. Uh, but yeah, I, no, I, I would sure. love that's like I would love Jericho to actually play Judas with his band and then come to the ring right afterwards and, and fucking have a match. But yeah, oh, definitely need man. Rancid. I felt so bad for that guitar player. You could tell he definitely couldn't hear himself in ear at all when he was trying to play Judas at the yeah. pay-per-view. I felt so bad. That was like, a, was it Mania that they had that girl come out in Agent Orange? Yeah, with no, it wasn't Agent Orange, but uh, God damn it, I can't remember the name. But yeah, with Rhea Ripley. This is yeah. my, this is my. But like you could see, because me and you both played on stage, you could tell that like couldn't hear shit. 
<laughs> so it, it and that was is what it was. the worst, especially singing. If you can't hear if you're in key or not. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. Yeah, there's definitely certain venues that I have not played at again because of shit like that <laughs> in Atlanta. I'm not going to name any. I'm not going to call them out, but it happens and it's terrible. And I can't imagine doing it in front of like 15,000 people. Yeah, man. Definitely would be crazy. Well, let's continue with Grand Slam, but this is from last night. Uh, like I said, they recorded this four hours in Arthur Ashe Stadium for the people, if you will. Um, and this was the second half that we have from last night. Started out with, with another bang, man. This could have done the same thing, honestly, that the last thing did. But actually picked up the audience, and I feel like throughout the rest of it, they were just alive. So, well, there was a lull when Matt Hardy and his whole entire career was out, but, you know, we'll get to that. But we start off with CM Punk, uh, first match on television, uh, not on pay-per-view, so don't count that last one, uh, going against Powerhouse Hobbs, and that was like the first one, I think, in seven years. But I thought the guys had a great match, man, and I was really worried about Powerhouse Hobbs until I rewinded the, uh, the thing itself. Where basically they're on the top ropes. CM Punk was going for you know the 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 Steiner um, Hurricane Rana. Why, why can't I think of the name of that? Uh, Chris, get that whenever you the, could. The Frankensteiner. Thank you, the Frankensteiner. It's almost Halloween. How the fuck did I forget that? Yeah, we, we want we to go do. We don't need Scott Steiner showing up at our house trying to kill us for calling it a, a top rope Hurricane Rana. What, what the fuck is that? I that did sh- that for That shit yeah, really no. pisses him off when people call it that. So the Frankensteiner, uh, he did went to go do a Frankensteiner. Uh, Hobbs was going to reverse it, do a power bomb, and then it got reversed shortly after that into it. I thought it was actually a really cool sequence the way they did it. Um, and it looked like Hobbs fell on his fucking head, but if you go back, he actually. The way that he threw him was just different, but he fell perfectly. And uh, I thought Hobbs looked really good in this match, man. Defensively, offensively, everything. I thought CM Punk looked really good in this match. I'm sure he didn't want to. I know he put that poll online, Chris, with, uh, you know, pants or the the old look with the shorts. And everyone was like, the short ones. Because you saw he shaved his legs. That's got to fucking suck. Like, damn it. Can I just, like, not have to fucking shave my legs? to put on little shortsies to do wrestling for you guys. But no, they wanted the trunks and they got those goddamn trunks. But um, yeah, I thought this was good, man. I I thought this was a good match. Of course, Punk got the uh, go to sleep later on when he, you know, caught Hobbs and one, two, three CM Punk gets his first win on television. And it looks like it's going to end up with him and Ricky Starks. And then after that, let's go from there couple of scary spots and i think it's because rick uh, or hobbs has been working with people that are bigger for the most part he he went up kind of heavy a couple times which is kind of why it looked like he almost got dropped on his fucking head uh, part of that's just like how you go up for the move but yeah i thought it was a good match it's i don't understand this feud unless it's leading to you know 
Punk versus Taz. <laughs> Is that where we're going with this? I, I just, I mean, I feel like there's better things you could be doing with Punk. And if you're going to do Hobbs, like have Hobbs beat Punk. I don't know. It just that's the part that's kind of weird to me. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Sorry, there's birds. They're bitching. God damn it. Apologize to my audience out there, but I have animals, and sometimes they're annoying. My lawn guy showed up, so it's a double annoying ceremony happening right now. Birds fighting lawn people. Let's do it. All right, well, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, then we have a recap. Real, this fairly... real quick, where do you think they're going with that? I mean, is the idea to build up Hook? Is it going to be Ricky Starks versus Punk? Like, why is he tied into this storyline? Unless, well, unless Taz wants to do something. He wanted to work with them. Apparently, and I mean, Punk, that's, that's why Taz called him out and said, keep my guy's names out of your mouth, because Punk was on busted open he was on whoever chris jericho and he kept on saying that he wanted to work with those specific guys a part of a lot i mean it's it's like christian said the same thing adam cole said the same thing daniel bryan said the same thing they're like you know i want to work with jungle boy i want to work with hobbs i want to work with darby allen i want to work with um ricky starks like they were they're part of all their list but they kind of use that, I guess, for a reason to go into it. But apparently CM Punk really wanted to work with both Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, which is fine, but you got to put one of the guys over. They got to beat Punk. Are you ready to do that? Well, no. I mean, they could just be like Chris Jericho. He, oh, that's, that's a little different, though. Uh, I don't know. M- MJF and Hobbs are way different. <laughs> MJF, Orange Cassidy. Um, I was surprised that the fucking you know that Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky won. Uh, honestly, I thought Chris was gonna be like, nope, I have to win, obviously, to put them over. Duh. I mean, but that's what I'm saying is that Chris did put all of those guys over. He lost like four matches to MJF, right? And then he lost two. But the one that mattered. But the one that mattered was the last one they had. Which is fine, but he just beat Hobbs. So. He probably would. Yeah, where's that story go now? Is it Ricky Starks? Is that the guy he's going to put over? Which I'm fine with. I don't think so. I think he'll beat Ricky Starks and then go on to something bigger. I don't know what that means, though, as far as I would like to see. Hobbs, especially in a in a bigger, you know, I guess looked at differently than he is now. But you know, I I I could see him beating both guys and kind of moving on. Like this is just, you know, in the way to something bigger. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I want to see Hobbs' position, but I mean, if you're if you're coming out and saying you want to work with the guy, then I would think that you need to give him a win. So do you think we see a rematch in this where Punk loses? Because, I mean, that's the thing is Punk is such a big, like, maybe they could have saved this a little bit down the road is what I'm getting at for whatever plans they have for CM Punk. No, that definitely could be it. Um, I don't know. 
We'll have to find out after the next match. Maybe he does put Ricky Starks over. You know, me and you have not been, I would say, too impressed with some of his in-ring work. But I know that a lot of the wrestlers, that's always a name they, they mention as someone they like to work with. So, you know, like I said, I've heard the same thing from Christian, that I've heard from CM Punk, that I've heard from multiple people uh, that have just entered AEW. So, I don't know. Yeah, Starks, I think, just does tries to do too much. I think if he dials it back like 10%, he'll be really, really good in the ring. Most of the stuff happens because they start rushing. Like, And specifically, if you go back to that match he had with Moxley, that tag match he had with Moxley, and I can't remember who Moxley's partner was. Was that Jungle Boy that was Moxley's partner? Or sure. Darby? I think it was Darby. Oh, yeah, because that, that's back when... Yeah, it was like always Moxley and Darby, kind of like I remember that around that time period. I sent you that picture of uh, the two of them, and then uh, Red Shoes' uh, son. I forgot what his name is, but it was like uh, <laughs> Moxley was Moxley was like Batman, and they were the two Robins, if you will. Yeah, and and what I think happened is they just were trying to do too much, like him and Darby. So like I don't know. I mean, I know. Ricky was really great in that uh, Sting feud. Darby and Sting and, and Team Taz. Some of that stuff was really cool. I, I, I gotta let him grow on me a little bit before I... Because I did not like him at all. Like, a year ago. But he's, he's growing well, on he me Well, he had that match. Bit. I don't remember who it was against, and you kept on calling it out, and it made sense. He had that match where he was very reckless. I don't know if he was nervous, but it was probably the worst match from him. And he almost injured... I don't remember who it was, but it was one of the bigger guys in AEW. Was it was it Sammy he was working with? I guess. I'm trying to remember. I think it was a tag match. He almost fucked up someone. We were like, dude, what are you doing? But, I mean, I used to like him wrestling-wise in uh, NWA when he was the... Uh, oh, he was one of the... T- he was either TV champion or something else, but... Yeah, everything was slowed down in NWA, though, because they that's what I'm saying is I think if he dials it back just a little bit and doesn't try to be the Young Bucks or Lucha Bros in ring, he's probably really, really good. Like, it's just uh, weird. And his promo stuff doesn't necessarily nail it for me, but I get why people would like it. So I'm not ready to shut the door on Ricky Starks. And who knows? CM Punk is definitely going to make him slow his shit down because CM Punk is wrestling a very specific style right now. Yeah. Yeah. The I can't go as fast, so slow the fuck down, dude. Style. You think he called Randy on the phone? He's like, damn, son, I've been doing it wrong all these years. I should have been going this slow. (laughs) I told you. God. And then right afterwards, Randy fucking takes his wife and gives her an RKO to some, I don't know, body of water, maybe a pool. McDonald, Mc, McDonald's uh, ball pit. <laughs> there you still go. Exist. <laughs> I don't think so. Remember all the stupid stories I used to hear when we were kids? I was like, there were snakes in one. Yeah, I people put people. snakes in there, and then they, the bunch of heroin needles at the bottom of them. Like, this is... I think this is a story that people made up in the South so that you wouldn't have to go to the pay- play place with your kids. 
His parents not wanting to deal with the play play. See, what they do is they have AIDS and they put them on needles on the bottom and then you get AIDS if you jump in it. It's almost like the Halloween uh, candy razor blades thing. Just a way to scare kids into not <laughs> going trick-or-treating. Such a good thing. Ooh, I think Dennis made, those, made that whole entire thing up. I wouldn't want to be in fucking kid's mouth, already smelly as shit, and then having cavities. Fuck that. All right, let's get to the next match. <laughs> we have the super click, super click, it's super clicky. Adam Cole and the Young Bucks back together. Going against Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. This is a good, fun tag match. I thought that fucking Luchasaurus... It's like Christian and everyone actually was like, let's let Luchasaurus just like look like a badass. All the sequences he did were awesome, right on the fucking spot. He looked like a fucking badass, but of course some some shit's going to happen. You know, maybe uh, Gallows gets involved and distracts a referee, but the super click won. And uh, I mean, honestly, that's exactly what needed to happen. So, there you go. And I thought it was a fun match. What did you think, Chris? thought it was a very fun match. I still have this thing where they don't hit the ropes hard enough. Specifically, the Jungle Boy hit the ropes. Um, but Jungle that, Jack Perry? Yeah, Jungle Jack Perry hit the ropes, son. <laughs> um, yeah, too about- dainty. Outside of that, I thought it was a really, really fun match. And uh, who won made sense. I mean, like, Adam Cole's not taking a loss as soon as he gets there. And they got to build the Young Bucks back up. They just lost the tech titles. And I. Can we. Can Jungle Boy get away from Jurassic Express or is he just forever trapped with them? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. I think that is. I, that is kind of how he got over is that people are like Luchasaurus. That's weird. He's coming out on his shoulders, but the novelty of that has it's worn off for me. Has it worn off for you? Oh yeah. Um, the only thing I can say though, that contradicts that for both of us, even though I completely agree with you is that people go crazy for that song every time it comes out. So, cause they definitely, it's like, the whole entire fucking 20,000 people were down. Uh, I guess they were like that with Judas, which comes in the next match, but it seemed like it was kind of, they were tired and then this match happened and they were like back up alive once this music came out. Yeah, but he can, I mean, he can, he could ditch the group and still have the same music. No, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, he, he just pulled up Roman Reigns and be like, no, it's my music now. <laughs> uh, nah, all joking side it's fine it was a it was a good match it was a young bucks match i i thought they should have featured adam cole maybe a little bit more but it's fine we got to see luchasaurus get his ass kicked so if you're not a luchasaurus fan this this would be the match to watch yeah I absolutely, but I yeah, thought, that... I, I thought Luchasaurus was going to be way better at this point in AW than he is 
Do you think? Try to like. I feel like he's gotten better about being a big guy, though, as of lately. Like, I feel like he doesn't do as much stupid, unneeded lucha libre shit. It's usually he comes out, he's like, I'm going to kick you in the head. I'm going to choke slam you off the top. Like, they try to make him more like a big dude. Like, I don't know if Big Show talked to him or something, but he doesn't do as much zany, weird shit. Is that hurting or is it helping his character? I think it's hurting both him and, and Jungle Boy to be together at this point. I mean, I don't need them together, honestly. I don't need Marco Stunt ever to be anywhere near a wrestling ring. But if Marco Stunt is fine as a rock star spud esque manager running around and just hitting a random hurricane run, I have no problem with that. The, the the bigger thing is like if you're gonna get if you're trying to get Jungle Boy over, you need to separate these two. And you don't need him and Christian together. Because Christian, to me, is still a bigger star, and you've highlighted Christian more, who's lost one match since he's been there. Um, it's just kind of that. You know. Yep. But I, I when when you when they had Luchasaurus at the beginning of when we first started watching this, and he was just straight demolishing people, I was like, oh, that that could be their cane. And even though he's starting to kind of wrestle that way, he's not booked that way. Like he's still getting his ass kicked <laughs> all That's a the good, time. Very good point. <laughs> um, so I mean, I I just this group I'm kind of just done with. But it, you know, whatever the fans are into it, it's fine. All right. Well, next we have the men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, with Dan Lambert in the corner against Chris Jericho and Jake Hager who had um, 10 minutes and 48 second match with them. Um, I mean, shit, I know it didn't work out for all out, but these over 20,000 people knew at least the words of Judas that mattered. And they sang it and Chris Jericho looked like a badass. It's pretty awesome that he can experience that. It really is his band that he created with their biggest single of all time, obviously, being his entrance song and having the audience that pumped and into it that they sing it back to him, especially on this type of large scale in Arthur Ashe Stadium, where you have over 20,000 people. Uh, pretty cool moment. But I love this match because I really thought it was going to be the opposite it was. I thought that they were easily going to get the win. Did not happen for that. For, for Chris Jericho. Um, so basically, at the end of it, Lambert got on the apron to distract both Jericho and Hager and break up his submission holds. Um, Hager ran to the ropes, and Lambert tripped him up, and this allowed Scorpions, uh, Scorpio Sky to roll up Hager with a small package to get the pin. But it was probably more so what happened afterwards where, you know, I <laughs> it reminded me of um, Nexus coming out of the audience and shit. But instead, it's all these UFC, or if not UFC, just fighter legends like Junior Dos Santos, uh, Austin Vandegaard, 
Andre Arlarski, Dalton Rasta, and then let you know, head up by Paige Van Zant, who is a knuckle boxing champion, she's a badass, and Jorge Masvidal. And they just fucking just started fucking them up and destroying them after this. Everyone got like a finisher, if you will, move on them. Ending with Jorge Masvidal, who's obviously, I would say, the most popular um, mainstream today UFC fighter out of all of them, just comes and does the knee that actually knocks someone out uh, in one of his matches. I forgot who it was. But the exact sequence, him doing it to Chris Jericho, and we also had Paige Van Zant just give some brass knuckle punches to the gut to Jericho after, right before... Um, you know, uh, Jorge Masvidal hit his knee, and I thought it was a great angle. This is UFC <laughs> to the, the mainstream audience, if you know UFC. This is UFC invading AEW and fucking up Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. Chris Jericho, this known wrestler, and Jake Hager who tried to dabble over an MMA. Out of all the stuff they've done, I thought this was the most effective. What do you think, Chris? So, question: Was it Evander Velasquez that was in WWE for like a split second? Um, no, no, it's Kane Velasquez. Kane, Kane Velasquez. Sorry, I, I, I confuse those names because there's also a hockey player named Evander Kane that's uh, been in the news lately for maybe illegally gambling on his own games. Having check fun. Out, check, check out Skate Throats. We talk about that. Uh, so, yeah, I mix those two, two up. Do you think that Chris Jericho brings him in? Because he's in AAA, or was in AAA, to kind of deal with some of these MMA guys. That'd be a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. I, I would go in some type of direction like that. But Or is this this building towards Jorge Masvidal versus Chris Jericho? That, that's cool, too. I mean, if, if it's going to be a no-DQ brawl, I guess, so you can make it a little believable because, you know, Jericho is going to need the advantage in that match to some extent where it's like a street fight or something. Or is Jericho going to pick out Mike Tyson, who's already been a part of his group, and maybe Conor McGregor, who would make a lot of fucking sense right now at the opposite concept of all these other guys, especially Jorge Masvidal. And and that would be amazing. I just don't know that they they got that they're gonna spend the Connor money, because you know Connor's gonna want to fucking. I'm I, Tony has a lot of fucking money. His dad has a lot of fucking money. Obviously, if I'm gonna get anyone, I, I would try to go for Connor McGregor before fucking Vince tries to put his hooks on him. I mean, Kane Velasquez is not also not a bad option. Do that. No, absolutely. Especially since he actually likes wrestling and has trained oh my as a professional God. wrestler. <laughs> take take my body if if the group that they have all of a sudden comes out again and Jericho not only this was one thing I'll actually have a little bit of a problem. I know they had matches or some type of inter- Sammy didn't have a match, but he had some type of thing happen later on. But the fact that they had no backup and they were able to get destroyed by these guys for a long period of time. I know Santana and Ortiz are taking on whoever next, and Sammy's going to be involved with that little angle, but that was kind of weird. But if Chris Jericho comes out, you have him, his whole entire group, and then to back them up, 
is fucking Mike Tyson and Cain Velasquez. Hell fucking yeah. Or even Cain Velasquez, but I'm just saying that's a lot of guys. So if there is somehow a way that you work this out, and he has Cain Velasquez comes out first, Mike Tyson comes out next, and then Conor McGregor to fucking, what does he always come out to? Is it Notorious? Yeah. Um, Notorious. <laughs> that comes on, people are going to go fucking ape shit. And then you have all them and a huge brawl. Yeah, bring me whatever stupid tag match is going to come out that's not going to be that great. I'll I'll eat it all up. Also, in my what, mouth. Bug, what bug crawled up MGK's ass where he's deciding to try to fight everyone all the time? Because did you hear about the story? Well, or... I heard that Connor thought that he was he actually thought that he was a uh, fucking one of the uh, Paul brothers. He had no idea it was Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> he thought he was Logan Paul. So that's why he started shit with him. No, Connor tried to get a photo with him, and apparently MGK like little little kidded little kidded him. And uh, little that's... kidded big leagued him. Yeah, big leagued him. <laughs> you know, like when a little kid runs at you and you just put your hand on their forehead and they like swing at your legs. That's what MGK did, apparently, because Connor's like, hey, let's get a photo for Instagram or whatever. And I guess MGK was being a, a dick. Uh, and Connor tried to fucking fight him with a broken leg, because Connor still does have a broken leg, guys, if you're aware of this. And then they were like, oh. uh, I guess Connor was going to do something else at the Grammys later. And they were like almost canceled whatever he did, which was, I guess, just uh, like a walk-in type deal it was anything big i watched or no it was the vmas that's what it was the, v, the vmas um also this this i'm sorry for anyone that's mgk fans out there this paper cut song is a direct fucking ripoff of where is my mind which is the theme song for orange cassidy tied back to wrestling chris uh that song sucks and uh in any ways he made fun of slipknot too because they were playing i guess at this they, they had like a festival well, did you hear why because they wear dad shoes. <laughs> no, it's because it's because uh, him and uh, Travis Barker wanted Corey to come on and do a song for them, and he was like, "Look, I think he's talented, and I and you know I'm a good friends with you, but that's just not my style. I'm good," and passed on doing some track with them. And Machine Gun Kelly got pissed off about it, and that's why he went off on his little fucking tirade about how much Slipknot sucks. It's like, dude, they just lost their... Do you, are, are you not aware that Joey Georgeson just died? Like, you fucking... Corey would fucking destroy you in a fight. Like, he would face fuck you. He's one of the yeah. only guys out of, like, metal, like, besides Pantera, and, you know, you can say Black Flag is another one with Henry Rollins, where he is buff, dude. I would not want to mess with Corey Taylor at all. Fuck or that... that or the band that literally used to just fist fight each other on stage and carry around yeah. like shit in jars and stuff. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not the one to pick a fight with. I, I'm just waiting for the Corey Taylor Eminem diss track, which you know is coming. Uh, <laughs> but Brilliant. yeah, Corey, Corey Taylor was like receipt and just put out the emails, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, but yeah, MGK is out here trying to fight Connor. Maybe that'll be the gimmick. It's Connor's like, come fight me in the ring. <laughs> Last time MGK was involved in wrestling, Kevin Steen put him through a fucking table. So there's that full circle. Look at that. You like how I wrap that up? Kill Beautiful. Steen, kill.
Kill, Steen, kill. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Fucking, if, 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 if you get a chance to be like, oh, okay. Because apparently Tony Khan has a pretty good relationship with not only um, Dan Lambert, obviously, who's a huge wrestling fan, but Dana White, who's not a huge wrestling fan. So he said on Busted Open he wants to keep a good relationship with him in UFC. So he's very smart because... If you have that option, you kind of slowly take that away from WWE, which they only had that with Brock Lesnar anyways. Um, and Brock's done with UFC. He's already retired from it. Um, and you actually have like someone like Jorge Masvidal or potentially a Conor McGregor. You've already had boxing legend like a Mike Tyson, shit like that involved. Like That's way better to, I would think, our audience, which is the audience they want. Not the young kids and the old people, the fucking ones in between. Um, that looks better than the fucking Paul brothers, I would say. And uh, I mean, if I, if you're Tony Khan, you're talking to to Dana White and being like, "Look, man, you need a retirement plan for some of these great fighters at some point, right? Like, why not have them come do some wrestling shit?" I mean, Andre Arlovsky's been fucking retired for a while, but man, he still looks like a beast. Yeah. Where's Bones Jones? The real well, question. Well, we all want to see that type of shit. Connor and John Jones just both give off the we would be great in pro wrestling somehow, like because of their personalities, because of a lot of shit. They're meant for that to me. Oh, we haven't talked about this, but Tyson Fury and Wilder are coming back up. Yep. And I've heard that Wilder is not going to wear 30 pounds of equipment down to the ring and get winded before the fight. So maybe it'll be pretty good this time. (laughs) But isn't it time for, is it Anthony Johnson or Anthony Joshua? I thought that whoever wins this has to go against him because they want to, uh, whatchamacallit, take the championships. Um combine them or be yeah. undisputed. Yeah. Joshua and, but Joshua got beat like by kind of I don't want to say a nobody, but Well he, he did he won it back, but he but. won it back. So he has the other world championship that people consider. So if it basically and I d I don't see Joshua beating either Wilder or fucking Fury, but we need to do that at some point. And then we got to find out. So basically, whoever wins this is going to go against Anthony Joshua, probably beat them and be the world champion, bar none. And I hope it's Wilder, but I just feel like that bullshit excuse with Fury winning them last time, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, Wilder just wow. like he wasn't ready. I bet this fight will be a lot better. It's coming up. Next Saturday, October 9th. Is that next Saturday or the week after? I think it's the week after. Might we're be not the that week far after. out. Yeah. Weekend, I'm just, I'm just glad we're Halloween season, man. I love it. We're going to get to see Wilder. Because the only way Wilder is going to win this match is to try to punch his fucking head off. Um, which is what Wilder is good at. All right, let's move on to the next match. We had an awesome fucking match. I'll just say this. I'll keep on saying this. I think the Butcher, I know Braxton Stutters or Braxton Sutters. I feel bad for not knowing his name. But the Blade, 
He's been around for a long time. He's trained a lot of wrestlers. I like him. I think he's a great in-ring wrestler. I think that The Butcher, Andy Williams, uh, bassist from the band Every Time I Die, which I was a big fan of back in the day, uh, just his look. Him as a solo guy, I think, would be much better for him. And I think Private Party outside this Matt Hardy thing, I think they've learned a lot, and I appreciate that, uh, because they've gotten tighter about certain aspects in their game. But I think that they're getting kind of held down a bit by this group. And this was really more about Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy and setting up that shit than this actual match. There's no way in hell I saw the Lucha Brothers and Santana Ortiz losing to Private Party, The Butcher, and The Blade. And it was it was a crazy-ass brawl. They all got to start off four-on-four, four, extreme rules. But, like I said, there was no me thinking one way or the other. Um, and we did have that thing where, you know, Orange Cassidy came out and Matt Hardy uh, challenged him for hair versus hair match. But instead of putting himself on the line, he put Jack Evans. And he told him, you better win, Jack. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I thought this was a fun match, but those are the notes I have. I think that the Butcher could be a really great heel by himself. Um, and I knew that Lucha Brothers, Santana Ortiz were going to win this. You have Santana Ortiz from New York representing all fucking face painted out. And then you have Lucha Brothers who are the tag champions. Private party need to get by themselves very soon. So I kind of vaguely remember this because I had to watch it really quick. But are the Lucha Brothers wearing double masks now after that cage match? Like a mask under a mask? I don't know. I don't remember. Because I can't wait until someone rips the mask off and there's just another mask. If that's what they're doing, that's fucking amazing. That'd be hilarious. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, much in the same way as you, there's no way that they were going to lose this. And uh, Santana and Ortiz is still the best tag team in AEW. Fight me in IRL if you don't think so. Um, <laughs> it was fine. I mean, it was great. And I agree with you. I think the Butcher, one, the Butcher is a badass wrestling name. And he looks like a guy that should be called the Butcher and should be a singles performer and come out swinging like a fucking chain with a scythe tied to the end of it or something crazy. Like, I don't know. Andy Williams looks like an absolute monster. And, uh, like, I get they wanted to do that tag team or whatever, but maybe it's time to move on from that and just give that guy, like, a singles push. It's the same thing we used to but bitch about with uh, Brody and Rowan. It's like, well, there's obviously one guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's one guy that's not like the other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of the same thing, which is funny to talk about with AEW, considering what they've done. But, man, like, that guy, he's incredible look. Um, I want him to bring back the monocle again, though. I mean, bring the monocle back. Uh, shout out to that. Shout out to monocles. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he, he needs a singles push. And, and this whole Hardy family thing is, uh, I mean, unless Jeff is going to show up in <laughs> six months or some shit, uh, this is a failed experiment. <laughs> I like Big Money Matt. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, it's just kind of a mid-card act. And I think based on the pop the Butcher got when he showed up at that pay-per-view, 
Maybe that's the guy you would run with out of this group. Agreed. And this followed up by a little bit more of Hardy's family, if you will, with Penelope Ford, who the bunny obviously is established. Good friends with her. Going against Anna Jay. And, I mean, a lot of heel stuff with the bunny. Why? If she's going to come out at the end of it, and she knows that Penelope Ford has a bunny, why the fuck wouldn't Ty Conti just come out with Anna Jay from the beginning? I have no idea, but uh, Penelope Ford defeated Anna Jay. This is like less than three minutes. And then, like I said, Ty Conti came before they could hurt her. And then the Hardy uh, office came out, and Orange Cassidy and Chris Stanlander uh, came out, and then all of the Dark Order were behind her, uh, rushed the ring, beat up everyone, and, uh, you know, the Dark Order looked like they were going to settle their shit. Evil Luno and Stu Grayson left, uh, even though Colt Cabana felt like he was in the middle of things, if you will. He decided to leave with uh, Evil Luno and Stu Grayson. I don't care about any of this shit anymore, if you can't tell from my fucking vocals on this. <laughs> but the Dark Order is 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 still done. Um, but yeah. There you go. Penelope Ford beat Anna Jay. And I gotta say, good! Because I like Anna Jay. Don't get me wrong. I think that she's got a lot of potential. Penelope Ford needs to rack up some wins. She's one of the best fucking women wrestlers as a package whole in the goddamn company. So I'm glad she actually got a win this time instead of losing to someone that was lesser than her. I agree with you a thousand percent. Mean you put Penelope Ford over every time she's on the show. I don't understand how they have not utilized her. She has a banger ass theme song. She's great in the ring. Good personality. I mean, are they just saving her until Kip comes back? Is that what they're trying to do or something? I don't. Who? Who? Kip. Kip. kip i swear i i knew a kip where's yeah. a kip located what, what's a yeah. kip miro killed him he's dead <laughs> oh kip sabian who oh, gives yeah. a fuck yeah. <laughs> uh but anyways yes i'm on the i'm on the same page as you with penelope ford she should be booked way higher in this card and uh i don't know maybe we'll see i would love to see her work with brit baker every time penelope ford's in the ring even if it's like four minutes it's a pretty good match and also like i said banger of a theme song probably the best AEW theme song it's still really really fucking good and that includes some of the licensed ones <laughs> but yeah like um i get the the rest of the people involved anna jay etc she's fine whatever it's just i don't understand why penelope ford's not higher on this female roster not sure at all but let's get to the last match i mean all right well we do have some announcements jungle boy versus adam cole will be next week uh, as well as penelope ford and the bunny versus anna j and ty conti and then rampage will have orange cassidy and jack evans in a hair versus hair match chris This entire thing with Orange Cassidy's hair is ridiculous because he just has a very short haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take him like two months to grow that back. 
This is not, uh, you know. <laughs> now, Sami Zayn was in a hair versus hair match with that sick flow he's got going, that mullet he's got going. I could see him being upset. <laughs> but this is just ridiculous. So uh, Jack Evans is going to lose his hair, I guess. <sighs> yeah, not sure. Uh, um, whatever. Like, it's a dumb storyline. It's also kind of a waste of Orange Cassidy being so over with the crowd to tie him in with these mid carters, but it's fine. Well, you know what else is fine? The Mark Henry interview before him between um, Suzuki Gun and Moxley Kingston. I just like it because Suzuki just said like two things and it looked scary as hell and it was Japanese and I have no idea what he said and then it was basically you know Lance Archer trying to talk shit and cut off by Eddie Kingston and him interrupting in between each sentence that either Eddie Kingston or John Moxley said and I love how Eddie you know got so frustrated that he ripped his shirt couldn't find a new shirt was asking people for a shirt it looked like Andre the Giant, and he's like, I'm ready for this. And then John Moxley got on for like a couple seconds, and uh, that was our sum up. And hey, Chris, Little Uzi was in the audience. Little Uzi Vert? Sure, why not? I don't isn't, give a fuck. Is, is, isn't that his name? I know a little bit about the, the hip-hops of modern hip-hops. That's not hip-hop, that's rap, and it's crap. Uh, yeah, I, yep. I hate rap. Rap is crap. As Mr. Perfect would say. Uh, Who's yeah. totally from the South. Um, yes. Uh, Minnesota. <laughs> to- totally from the South. Of the South parts of Minnesota. Vern Gagne built, beat that mindset into him. <laughs> he actually does like rap. <laughs> He's just scared of Vern Gagne. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. It's a little Uzi. What did little... What's a song Little Uzi Vert does? Because I know the name and I definitely have heard some of his music. Can you think of one Little Uzi Vert song? I'm, I'm sure not, I'm it was not even like, trying to be a dick. I'm just. I'm sure the beat was close to this. Like it was like. Right. And then he was like. Little Uzi Vert versus the world. Uh, okay. Songs. Monday longer. Okay. Oh, he did a song with Future. Okay, I know Future. Shout out ATL. Let's go. Let's get it. <laughs> um, no, all, all joking aside. Um, fuck. Now I can only think about Lil Uzi Vert. Maybe it's like a mental thing. We've been. It's programmed into our minds. If you say his name enough, that's how you end up liking his music. Um, nah, nah. All kidding aside, this was. Whatever it was, I guess. It seems went kind of way out of, too down on this. Seems kind of out of place for what the show was. And I love, I love, Luke, I, I love the credit for ATL. We're both, you know, I wasn't born there, but I've been here for most of my life. And we've had some incredible rap artists between Jermaine Dupree, you know, and all of what he was able to reflect on. And, uh, you know, Everything that we got with Missy Elliott and T.I. and fucking Outkast, obviously, and fucking Jeezy's and the Fugees. Fugees. 
Dungeon family, Pastor Troy. Let's go. ATL, ho. Okay, okay. Uh, but then, then we had OJ Juice Man. <laughs> then we had fucking uh, Gucci Man. Then we got fucking Soldier Boy. And I hate to say, but Future's probably up there for some of my favorite bullshit hip hop or rap, I should say, coming out of Atlanta. Tyler, 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 the creator. Childish Gambino. He's still holding it down. But I like Future. Wait, wait. Fucking mask off. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Tyler the Creator from ATL? Yeah. I didn't know that. All right, well, I love our future. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, He's a goddamn I, goblin. Oh, yeah, and Childish Gambino <laughs> is from ATL. I forgot. I watch his fucking television show. Technically from Stone Mountain, but, yeah. OTP. Oh, he can claim it. He can claim so, it. OTP, OTP. Just we'll call it ATL. <laughs> For those... For those listening outside of Georgia, <laughs> Waka Flocka, short bus shorty. <laughs> Waka Flocka Flame. He goes hard Waka in the paint, bro. Uh, <sighs> Trick Daddy, not love the kids, but resident of we 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 give him a credit just because he did so much with CeeLo. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Hey, Tupac. Timberland. Timberland. <laughs> Timberland's one of the best beat makers on the planet. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get in this last fucking match. I kind of just want to do more. I just kind of want to do more hip hop now. Like, honestly. <laughs> uh, I just want to talk about Dungeon Family all day, Dane. Goody mob, man. Saw them live with Big Boy. It's a great show. And the mayor of atlanta said that it was officially goody mob day so i can go back and tell you what day is officially goody mob day uh find out for me timeline oh call uh kilo ali you remember that which is known for great songs like love in the mouth uh was also the mm-hmm. opening act for uh, that all right. I'm the um, king of the crim. Uh, dick off to the. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> all right. We're, we're, we're going to finish this with uh, probably my, honestly, my favorite match, I think, on the card. You have the lights out match. And here's the thing I think that Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker took it to the opposite level of making a great lights out match of what you'd expect from that. But this wasn't that violent. This was just a fun fucking match. And how ridiculous it got. Just them, you know, excelling uh, based off of it. Just John Moxley, Eddie Kingston went against Lance Archer, Minoru Suzuki. Lance Archer's back heel as fuck now, and he's doing his New Japan thing, killing every fucking crew member around. And I love that it started with Moxley and Suzuki fighting and ended even after fucking Eddie Kingston took out uh, Archer with Suzuki and fucking Moxley fighting still. Um, but it would, you know, we would have this awesome match. Everyone's going back and forth. It really looked like it was going to go in the favor of Suzuki and Lance Archer. And then we have homicides theme music it's playing. And you're like, what? And then he comes out bandana on his face and starts beating the fuck out of the two of them. Um, it was it was just a fun fucking match, man. I I really loved everything about this match, and I love that part where Eddie Kingston and the New York 
crowd was so into this because both Homicide and especially Eddie Kingston are from there. They used to be a unit back when they were younger. And um, I forgot the name of, the, of their, their, their faction, but they had something going on back in the day. And then Eddie Kingston takes the fucking, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, trash can, puts it on Lance Archer, and just starts hitting it as many times as he can after he already gave him two spinning back elbows, you know, and John Moxley gave him his move uh, before Suzuki stopped that, and then him and Moxley start fighting outside. You have Eddie Kingston just nailing him as many times as he can with the kendo stick, with the trash can on his head, and then pins him, and then the three of them celebrate. New York goes crazy. They were there for Sedano Ortiz. They were there for Eddie Kingston. I think that's why me and you both predicted that there would be some championship on the line for them. Because, I mean, Sedano Ortiz had to be up there. Um, because apparently fucking Butcher and Blade are up there, even though Butcher hasn't been there for a, however long, but whatever. Not going to get into it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we thought some championships would be put on these guys, but just them winning a match was a huge deal. And the match, especially being a hardcore match, especially seeing Suzuki that one time where he just got everything dropped to him from Eddie Kingston and he's just laughing. Like, everything was great. Uh, Suzuki, for his age, man, I mean, I forgot how old he is, but when he dropped down and he's, like, behind Eddie Kingston, ready to choke his ass out, and he's, like, on his knees and he's, like, going back and forth, looking like a crazy, like, you know, Japanese horror character, like, and then just starts choking his ass out. I thought everything was awesome. So I love this match. Great ending. Great seeing Homicide out. And I'm wondering where this is going. Because Homicide is... I, I thought, like I said, he is on a uh, in a faction with Chris Dickinson. He's in a faction with Brody King, a couple other guys from Ring of Honor. They're together now, and I've heard Brody King want to talk or has been talking about. I should say he's good friends with Malachi Black. They did a tag match in PWG where they're on. He wants to like have a program with them, and has been one of the guys promoting the concept of Ring of Honor opening up to AEW, so hopefully this is the first step. Maybe Homicide's not actually signed officially to Ring of Honor, and now he's signing with AEW. I don't know, but I love this, and I love this match. I'm just going to take a quick moment to let everyone out there know that I love Murder Grandpa. (laughs) Minoru Suzuki. Jesus Christ, he's so great. He's just been so great for so long. This was a really, really fun match. I, me and you kind of thought this should be Eddie Kingston versus Miro, though. Yep. And I think they're still going to do gonna that do down that. the line. But well, I forgot. That's something else that happened. So, so Sammy Guevara, right before this, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, him and Fuego del Sol came out. He was going to do his usual cue cards during the commercial break. Him, Miro came out like a horror movie villain behind them and just destroyed them. Fucking killed Sammy, took Fuego, threw him off the 12-foot stage into a bunch of tables down below and just killed Sammy. And uh, that's where they're going. But uh, yeah, forgot about that part. 
Yeah, and and they're doing a whoever loses has to buy Fuego del Sol a car. I guess is the stip or or a coffin <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, eh, incredible match. If if I was the audience and I got four hours of this, I would be very happy with the outcome. And uh, they were safe about it. They did everything that they had to, you know, and they they sold fucking over 20,000. This is the biggest event they've had. And it was given to us by Tony Khan on a Wednesday split up on a Friday for their show. And I love that Tony's explained this like I'm trying to build up my audience. I don't, you know, you can say I'm I'm wasting by putting and I'm glad that Eric Bischoff also said like, you know, was defending Tony who he's, you know, Tony has said he's talked to a bunch because he's a big fan of Nitro was like, No, you can fucking do something like Daniel or Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega on a fucking weekly show because just make sure your pay-per-views are good. But, like, this is the audience. It's the biggest audience you're going to get. So there's nothing – I don't think there's anything wrong with having this type of big feel towards your weekly shows, especially when you're trying to build an audience for it. So I thought all four hours were great. I think within reason that Eric Bischoff is right, but this is also the guy that booked Goldberg winning the title on a, mon- a random Monday Night Raw instead of a pay-per-view, so or Nitro. <laughs> Just Tony should keep that in the back of his mind. Um, but yeah, no, this is a really, really good show. They did four hours of Arthur Ashe. This it, pay-per-view feel. If you were in the crowd there, you got a real treat. Some good matches on this, and. Uh, I don't know. I was just a little sad that Suzuki didn't get a W. I wanted to see Murder Grandpa kill everybody. But that's that's always how I feel about every Suzuki match. <laughs> so. I'm glad that we get to hear all of the second time to make up for their stupid bullshit. All of Kazani Nare and the audience fucking just shouted it out. They knew it. It was so amazing. <laughs> I like that that's, like, what continued the feud is they didn't play Suzuki or Murder Grandpa nor Suzuki's theme song long enough. And that so pissed great. him off. Oh, man. Minoru Suzuki, absolute fucking legend. I'm kind of sad he's not in the G1 right now because I would love to see him against Tanahashi and or, and or Takagi or Okada again. He's over here. So that's... It's kind of weird to think about because he's been in the past like four or five, right? So that's, I don't know. It's cool I think, though. I think we should have, <laughs> I love how he mentioned something the last time he was in the match and he was commentating, but when Taz was like, I gotta be honest with you, I love Minoru Suzuki, but it's weird fucking commentating for a guy that has an entrance where he has a fucking towel that's black wearing through the ring. They all made a joke of it. We need Minoru Suzuki <laughs> versus Taz for the Battle of the Black Towel. There you go. Maybe you'll get it. Maybe Minoru Suzuki will just fucking. We'll get it in the treating, video game. Start treating Hook like a young boy and just whip the shit out of him <laughs> in front of Taz. Oh, God. That's uh, great. I, I, look, 
I think this was a good way to end this show. I uh, the disappointment more lies in I kind of wanted Kingston to win the TNT title from Miro at this show. That was the match I was actually expecting, and, and one that me and you both, I think, at least from our conversations previously, we were expecting was the rematch. Yep. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it was still fun. Yeah, I had a lot of uh, fun watching this. It was a good, you know, step in a, a very great direction that seems like AEW's going. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view tomorrow night from WWE, but this has got a lot of attention for a, a good reason. And I'm not, you know, one of you bitchy-ass uh, WWE fans that only likes WWE or one of you AEW fans that only likes AEW. I hate the tribalism from some of you younger fans and probably older as well it is absolutely ridiculous. It's like you're a Dave Metzler fucking fan. All you think about is what he says or fucking Jim Cornette fans. You think about how about you listen to whoever you listen to. You gather thoughts, agree with things that you agree with, disagree with things that you disagree with, like good wrestling across the fucking board and be a better wrestling fan. Is that so hard to find, Chris? Yeah, it's very hard to find because you're asking people to watch like 18 hours of wrestling a week. <laughs> That's a good point, but I'm saying you don't have to be a dickhead. You don't have to keep up with every fucking thing. But dude, Super Nintendo is so much bigger than Sega Genesis. God. And like all that problems that DC has, you know, <laughs> fucking Marvel's just doing a different direction. Xbox versus PlayStation. <laughs> PlayStation for life. Get fucked, nerds. What? Yeah, it's... Look, if you really want to have a true opinion about it and talk... Talk about it and, and form an opinion, try try watching at least the clips from every show. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to watch the amount of wrestling that Dane and I watch. But uh, look, like if it's you're a, lot. a WWE fan, there's a, there is some good stuff in WWE, and we banged on it quite recently because uh, i think it's been a weaker period <laughs> for them it's so weird actually the wrestling has gotten better on ron smackdown but it's depleted off of nxt strange the wrestling has gotten better but the the show format itself the production quality it's still terrible it's there's a lot of things to dislike about it well um, that's because bucky beaver is still in charge of that shit but yeah i mean just like give it a watch and also like I said, I mean, the my the favorite thing I've watched this entire week was nothing in America. <laughs> it was the New Japan Night 1 G1 with Ishii and uh, Takagi. So, you know, just be open-minded and give it a shot. See what happens. Just like I, you know, I will give little Uzi Vert a shot after this because I can't remember any of his <laughs> songs. Um, and yeah, because he... He's good cop, and he's such a wonderful soul. I'll give you the opposite concept and say that if you can't do that, and you have to be so one way or the other and just get angry and complain about the Owen Hart blah, 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 or whatever the fuck, jump in a volcano and learn how to swim. So, Yeah, Tekken, just Tekken storyline. Throw, throw yourself into a volcano. Just try to swim in one. It'll be fun. Uh, learn to swim? Uh, <laughs> little tool. Yeah. Before before we go, any thoughts on the recent episode of Heels? 
Um, all right. So the recent episode, I hope this is not going to come down to Stephen Amell having to pick between wrestling and his family life. Uh, like I don't want to see like a divorce or anything like that happen. I hope he's able to balance that out. And I'm curious what they're going to do with Ace and uh, you know his ex. Um, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. But uh, they're about to go to the uh, the the fair, which is the biggest audience they've had. And honestly, when it comes down to it, I know that he's a piece of shit, but I feel like like uh, Stephen Amell should probably give um, well the guy that did the uh, the Ric Flair, if you all, on the flight. Uh, wow, you know, Wild Bill, <laughs> Mr. Wild Bill, I, I think you should give him uh, another chance because he probably would bring up their stock. And what well, I mean, let's just face it, Wild Bill is literally in you know. It's been presented to both guys in interviews. He's P- Michael PSA is mixed with Ric Flair. So the character that is basically Jay Lethal, um, and I can't think of the name right now, but it, it is. Sub- I, I mean, I'm assuming it's Jay Lethal. Oh, the based. one that met met with the uh, hardcore promoter that has all this video footage. That's like old TNA wrestling footage. Yeah, he throws like a stack of money down to pay for dinner and also pay him off. And he comes outside and he throws the money at him. And then like all of these, basically what I'm, I'm assuming is like his Irish brothers jump out of the van. Yeah. There was a lot of scary motherfuckers there. I want to see what goes with that. Cause that was very, very interesting. Um, I like the continuation of, is it beautiful Bobby? The eighties, eighties character with the mullet. Uh, i trying to think of his name who's kind of involved with uh, Ace's manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not beautiful, Bobby, but the guy that got his leg broken by Ace. Yeah, they were, they were well, they were talking about doing something like beautiful or ravishing, kind of a, a, an old school 80s throwback with his character. And talked him off the ledge of doing that. Uh, he, he was trying to come out to some little Uzi Vert. And uh, got convinced that was a bad idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been interesting, man. Like they they're hitting on a lot of different topics at the same time. Were you, here, here's a question: Were you wondering if Stephen Amell, knowing that it was the same audience, was going to get involved? Like, do you think going into the match with him and Hobbs, like maybe Hook would pull some bullshit, or Ricky Starks get involved, and then? Maybe Steven was going to jump over to help out Sam Punk because I kind of did think that, and it didn't happen, which is fine. But I feel like that's setting up for a future thing. I know Steven was on Chris Jericho's podcast and basically said, like, I love to do wrestling again, but if I did, my wife would kill me. Like, you know, I feel like it's only a matter of time. I I, I kind of feel like that he's gonna be elite bb elite and maybe it's gonna be a heel thing if they do use them i don't know man should you have the green arrow become a villain he's a villain on the current show <laughs> on his current show. <laughs> he is he's, the he's not though <laughs> because you want you honestly want the double turn because ace is kind of an asshole 
in real life. So it makes sense that he'd be the heel. And his brother is, I mean, he's not the best person, but Jack is a good dude who's trying to do the right thing. So it's like, you kind of like you want Jack to become the baby face, I feel like, in the show while Ace becomes a heel. Oh, man, I can't think of Ace's last name. Uh, Alexander. Spade. Spade. It's um, oh, uh, the actor is um, fuck Alexander Ludwig. He had a great ass piece of a- acting sitting on that porch when his mom came out and they started talking about religion with one another. That was a fucking great monologue. It was yeah, he, he's really, good, man. Really good. It's it's really really good. And yeah. I mean, he's kind of at some points been annoying on the show with some of his acting, but I think that's just more of the character. But that monologue itself was really really great. Also, Wild Bill listening to or Black Eye being played over him going crazy on top of the building a couple weeks ago, like phenomenal, and him cutting the promo in the ring shoot promo. <laughs> right from the hip, man. Right from the hip, man. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Stephen Amell has already talked to Chris Jericho. He's definitely offered off. Like, he basically compared it. He's like, you know, if you guys want to, but like the Field of Dreams concept, he's like, if you guys ever want to fucking use the, uh, the set that we have for, you know, a live audience, you're more than welcome to. And Chris Jericho actually liked that idea. So I hope they do that, honestly. It, especially if the show blows up. Like, that'd be a fun fucking venue to have, like, a small-ass, like, YouTube show. That'd be absolutely incredible, and I would like for none of the companies to be shitty about it. So, like, getting, like, someone like a John Cena to do a one-off match or something, especially if it, like, make it for charity and do it at that set, you know, and, and bring in everyone. Like, I, I, this sounds super peaceful of me. To be like, get all the guys together, like Usos versus Young Bucks or something, and like do it for charity and make it in this weird place that has nothing to do with either company and put on a big show. That'd be absolutely incredible. I think that's something they should think about doing. Um, I don't know who would be able to make that happen, but I, I think that would help both companies and be a good look for both companies and also help out whatever charities they decided to, whether it's Connor's Cure or the Owen Hart Foundation or one of the many uh, um, Play 60, I think, that Jacksonville Jaguars do. I think that would just be good in general and a good look at wrestling, especially because we've uh, we've gotten a couple wrestling black eyes recently in the past few weeks. So, you know. Put that shit yeah. aside and do something nice. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that idea. I think that's like big scale of it, but <laughs> I mean, I love the idea that it's just uh, expecting some guy from uh, New York that you know doing that. But what do well, you think? I, I I think it depends on how it's pitched, right? More than anything else, and. I mean, I, well, a lot of these other companies, I don't think would have any problem with it. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Connecticut, you're gonna have to get on board, homies out there in Connecticut, with what's happening in the wrestling world because I don't think it's gonna stop. It's gonna continue to grow, and uh, you may want to start doing some stuff <laughs> with other companies. 
I know they were going to do something with MLW. What happened with that? That's never happening. Which, honestly, with MLW and their roster, maybe it's a good thing. I feel like, I still feel like Alexander Hammerstone is exactly who the WWE specifically is looking for. But they already turned his ass down. He seems like he's like, fuck it. I'm going to make it as big as I can without the WWE. So, Channeling his inner Okada. That's fine. I'll be a big shark in a little fucking pond. I'll turn this motherfucker into an ocean. (laughs) Which is not with all the cussing, but an actual Okada quote from three or four years ago. I don't know how you could fucking... Well, I, you know, and I know that his first tryout, he was very like, I'll just say it, Triple H like. He looked exactly like him, uh, but you know, he's he's evolved so much. MLW Corp Hour, I mean, between the Opera Cup that we already talked about, you know, earlier at the beginning of the show, he knows professional wrestling pretty well. He worked underneath Vince and. Wherever Alexander Hammerstone ends up, if it's AEW or WWE, I think he's going to become a huge star. Uh, So, I agree with you. I think that he he has grown leaps and bounds in the ring as well. And he looks like Hulk Hogan, and he's a way better wrestler. Like no offense to Hulk, Uh, and that's that. This is someone doesn't think Hulk Hogan's a bad wrestler. I've, I've watched his New Japan stuff before and after. Uh, he became the immortal Hulk Hogan, but I'm just saying he's got that same look and he's got great in ring wrestling. Like I, like Jim Cornette said, he's like fucking Hogan meets uh, what's gonna call it, um, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. I can see that Hogan doesn't get enough credit for his wrestling ability. Um, you could hate him for being a shitty person. That's a whole different story. But I mean, he was trained by Vern Gagne and and you know went through that Minnesota wrecking crew training and Hogan, like if you watch the shit, new Japan, he can fucking work. And also like who else can make a very believable match against Andre, the giant at the very end of his life. Well, remember brother, you know, Hulk Hogan, he he fucking, you know, ripped every muscle on his back when he slammed Andre, the giant. Listen, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I get why people hate Hulk Hogan. I just don't get people saying he's a shitty wrestler. I don't. If you compare him to a lot of people during that time period, Hogan at best was high average, if not a little above average. It's the same way I feel about John Cena and a lot of wrestlers. Like, you tell me that Roman Reigns, John Cena suck at wrestling it's like okay well you just like high fly you know fucking lucha libre styled wrestling i mean that's fine and i like that too half my wrestlers that i like have a lot of you know offense that's that's a very aerial you know what i'm saying but like when it comes down to it that's not the greatest wrestler per se i mean that that it kind of harkens back to the first uh, match or the first match we talked about on Dynamite, being able to make those styles meld together to be all encompassing is a very, very special talent of someone that like Kenny Omega and, and American Dragon Brian Danielson. 
would be able to do. Yeah, and some people don't want to admit, and like you know, I said at, at during that time period, Kenny Omega. You can say what you want about him, but he can really comp. Without knowing each style, he can complement multiple different styles thrown at him. There's not a lot of wrestlers that can do that. He is easily PWI put him number one wrestler. I would have him as number one wrestler right now. Um, Roman Reigns would be, and there's an argument for Roman Reigns too, just because I think he means so much to WWE and the way that they're building all of their storylines. But I mean, what have we seen a bad Kenny Omega match? You know, no. we haven't seen a bad Roman match, but the level that Kenny is putting out right now is kind of fucking ridiculous, considering he needs a soul, uh, shoulder surgery and actually needs like four months off or whatever. And he's out here with 75 year old Christian having <laughs> four star matches, which I mean, good for Christian too. like shout out to Christian. For being down for it. You just called him 75 when you said a shout out to him. Shout out to Christian. I love Christian. I'm not trying to be a dick. I just mean like they're giving they're Kenny everyone. Him. Like he got Cedric Alexander. Not Cedric Alexander. Um, Shit. God, why can't I think of his name? Sammy Callahan? Sammy Callahan and um, Moose and... Who else has he worked from Impact? Oh, man. Andrade. He's been able to go to whatever to do whatever and put on great matches. I, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know. You can tell me. Maybe this is, instead of us saying our favorites, maybe next week we should come up with the best 10 workers of today. Maybe that could be a fun fucking thing to talk about besides the outcome of Extreme Rules that doesn't matter next week. Well, yeah, but I mean, is it best workers or is it best? Just best workers, the ones that can put on the best matches. Like my top five, I don't know exactly what it would be, but it would be like Adam Cole, Walter, Kenny Omega, Okada. Roman might make the the top ten, honestly, but he'd probably be in the ladder. Jay Lethal. Actually, his buddy Jonathan Gresham's another one. But of today, who's like the top 10 best in-ring workers that can put on the best stories in the ring that are the best actual wrestlers? I, I mean, right off right off the rip, there's three New Japan stars. <laughs> Ishii, Takagi, Okada, Tanahashi. They're going to make my list. Um, and then we'll get into to the deep cuts. And do can we count tag teams as one? Um, maybe we should just do singles, and then <laughs> if we decide to do a tag team or this singles male wrestlers, so we can do a woman's one next, and also a tag team, so we don't have to worry about uh, yeah, because that's even harder to try to accumulate everyone. Because I, I would almost throw Matt Jackson in that list. I think he's, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the current new. The current uh, gimmick that they're running with the Young Bucks, but like him in the ring, Matt Jackson's fucking incredible. Yeah, and I, I don't know if Dragunov makes the top ten, but Walter, 
definitely does for me. Yeah, Volter, uh, he would be up there with me as well. He would definitely make my top ten. He'd probably break into the top five, honestly. Just because every match I see him in is an absolute banger. Well, there you go for what you could possibly see if we decide to do it <laughs> next week. But this was the episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. This is Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Say goodbye to everyone you'd like to say goodbye to and plug whatever you'd like to plug. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, yeah, if you like hockey, check out at Skates to Throats. Hey, if you like Sylvester Stallone, if you like Rambo specifically, I am the local Ramboologist on their podcast, which is Sly in the Guys. Check that out. We just did Rambo 2, which was fun to talk about. Check that out. And, uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter, Chris R. Patton on Twitter and uh, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Would love to hear from you guys. If you hate any of our hot takes, get at me. Tell me why. Let's talk about it. Civilized, of course, but let's talk about it. And uh, Dane, as always, man, great, great, great show. And uh, anyone out there listening, if you have a chance, go see Counting Crows live. Do that. It's good times. Sha la 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 la. Uh-huh. Yeah, but seriously, you guys have a good one if you want to talk to me. It's Dane Alves 42 on Twitter. You can find me at Dane Alves, D-A-N-E-A-L-V as in Victor, E-S. That's why I tell people, telemarketers, whoever, on the phone. Uh, at Facebook, uh, the other one, Dane Alves 42 at Twitter. And we can talk about this type of stuff. You guys have a wonderful evening, morning, whatever. Whatever you're doing. If you're listening to this, we love you. If you're not, and it's like a first-time thing, check us out on any downloadable platform. You can find us on, well, it doesn't matter if it's iTunes, if it's Stitcher, Spotify, you know, just look, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You'll find us. Join us every week. We usually record on a Saturday, have the show out a couple days after that, and we talk about professional wrestling. And honestly, I think we do it the best out of anyone. So, with me saying that, have a wonderful evening and let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. Peace out. It's like, put everything you thought was good. This shit here, goddamn, gonna, gonna get you a motherfucking fat ass burning that drone. Smoke that shit. It's all vice versa. Look up in the air, nigga. We rich, nigga. It's vice versa. I know all these niggas don't fear this shit.
trying to kill me It's vice versa, heaven is below Why does Doja keep me high? To see the Lord Almighty, nigga, I'm ready to die My reply, but in the question asked The devil made me do it, who the devil may I ask? It's so polluted, uprooted from all this stupid shit See me cremated, my adaption to the climate so glad I made her elated that they gon' go to heaven But did they know heaven may not be the place to go Again I ask heaven with hell and vice versa The devil's demon, I be damned if I'm gon' let God hurt you If this was vice versa, I'd be an angel Cause I'm a devil, a down south Georgia rebel A whole nother fucking level Reminiscing on 